Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers guess what day it is it's Friday Friday gotta get down on Friday oh when the blues go marching in oh when the blues go marching in oh I want to be in that number when the blues go marching in. Hey, buddy, we're here. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues are on a winning streak. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on a Friday on 101 ESPN, 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Kerry Davis, good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm pretty fired up about our Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, we, 2023 we, Stanley Cup champs. We are well on our way. Yeah. Three and out since the break. You know, that's... Is that 16 goals in three games? Yeah. Uh-huh. We're on fire. Yeah, totally. I mean, why aren't we going to go win the whole thing? Why not us? Why, why not us? Shock the world, Kerry. Yeah, you know? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to do what you got to do and just don't even worry about what the rest of them say. You betcha. Uh, we got quite a show coming up. We're going to talk to Dave Bowler. He's the personnel director for your St. Louis Battlehawks. And the Battlehawks will get things started for their 2023 campaign on Sunday. Jay Delsing, as always on Friday, at the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Jovi Vitale at 8.15. Lutz Fahnensteel as St. Louis City SC. Yeah, looking forward to that. He's going to join us at 8.45. Blue Center Robert Thomas in the 9 o'clock hour. And on the uh, passing of Tim McCarver yesterday, Cardinals Hall of Famer, Tim McCarver, and uh, one of the great broadcasters, one of the great analysts of all time, Arguably, top three analysts of all time, along with John Madden, you know, right there, yeah. and and some of the people right now that have done magnificent work. Joe McLeady is, is a great analyst. But we're going to talk to Danny Mack. Dan mm-hmm. McLaughlin worked with uh, Tim McCarver, a lot of great friends. So Dan McLaughlin will join us in the 9 o'clock hour as well. Last night at Enterprise Center, your St. Louis Blues. So, so Kerry, when they win, they're we. Yeah. You, when got, they you, lose. you have on your blue sweatshirt today. Um, um, it's it's the color rush gold yeah. uh, version of the of the blue sweatshirt. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So yeah, when they when they win, they're we. When they lose, they're they. Yeah, them. Yeah, they got yeah. those guys. But right now they're we because we they are won. playing extremely well. We sure are. We are doing a fantastic job. A four-two win over the Devils last night over at Enterprise Center. We've got a scoreless game in the first period when Pavel Buchnevich, my MVP, comes through. Get it back to Ryan O'Reilly. He's got a little time. Slaps it. Knocked down in front. They score! The rebound there. Barmyshev finds Butch. 
Butchnevich. Pavel Butchnevich puts it in. one nothing Blues. 3.28 to play, first period. Jersey tied it a minute later, 1-1 after a period, but then four minutes into the second. Off the boards it comes. Walker centers a man in front. Perico right there, shot on. Rebound, Walker left at the net. Karachinko scores! Capitalizes 2 to 1 St. Louis, 16 minutes to play, second period. As Chris Kerber mentioned, 2 to 1, and then a minute and a half later, Blues bought some insurance. Thomas along the wing, they center Shen into the slot. Kairou there, score! What a shot by Kairou! Over the left pad of Blackwood. And it's 3 to 1 St. Louis, 14 25 to play, second period. Eric Holla would score for New Jersey later in the second period. It was 3-2 Blues heading into the third. Braden Shen with his 16th of the year on the power play at the 11.42 mark of the third. And Kerry, the Blues win it by a score of 4-2. And really, I thought, played a terrific game. The Blues outshot New Jersey, or they were outshot by one, 36-35. But overall, I thought the Blues played a really good game, allowed only seven shots in the third period. And got the lead, and then held the opposition down, which is what Craig Ruby's his credo is, his yeah. mantra is. You get, got the lead and didn't give it back yeah. up and, and did not allow um, the Devils to creep back into the game, r- finish the game in the manner that it was supposed to be done. Um, I'm really liking this third and fourth lines, Randy. The, the, the fact that they are, I've been I'm a physical person. I, I actually, my job was to move people from point A to point B for a living. Like, I took pride in that. Like, that's how I made a living and, and was able to eat so hitting people really does something for me watching this third and fourth line actually hit people put bodies on bodies yeah yes thank you it's not that hard fellas it's 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 what is required it doesn't have to be the big shots it doesn't have to be there are a few big shots here and there but mm-hmm. it, it just putting bodies on bodies and Randy I, I've never played hockey right mm-hmm. I gotta believe that it's hard to pass a puck or shoot a puck when you're being hit. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I've never played. I mean, I played street hockey when I was a kid, but I've never actually, I can't ice skate to save my life. Never done it. Don't want to try it. I do want to try it, you but I'm, try it. I'm afraid that I'll fall. But either way, I got to believe that he's, it, it is extremely hard to shoot and pass when you're being hit. And this third and fourth line are hitting people. Mm-hmm. They're putting bodies on bodies. And so you're starting to see guys actually doing what they're asked asked to do and having success. The it's name of the thing. game. Yeah, the name of the game for the Blues under Craig Bruby is, has been, and always will be, the four check. And they are playing different from that perspective since the break. Here is the coach. It's it's not a, a, um, a total revamp. Like, our four check's been aggressive here for quite some time, but there's just some adjustments on it. That's you know basically what, you know, and I don't think that it's just one area that we made we we made adjustments throughout the season in certain areas of our game. I think that's normal throughout the season. And so the Blues have won three in a row. When you look at the wild card standings, they're still in in rugged shape. They've got 55 points. Minnesota has 61. The Blues have won three in a row, six points behind. But coach says that if you're watching this team, you might have something to look forward to. 
Well, if they watch us play lately, I think that uh, the effort, and, um, we, we have a lot of good players on this team. We all know that. Um, but looking at the effort and the competitiveness of our team right now, the attitude, um, it's really good. And that's, that's a big thing. You know, that, that stuff, that's what wins hockey games. And, Kerry, you and I were wondering, as we talked before this show started, if there's any correlation at all between the way the Blues are exhibiting effort on the forecheck and the departure of Vladimir Tarasenko, who was their highest-paid guy. And for a lot of those guys, they, they thought he was their best player. Yeah, I, I mean, if you were – if. If the head coach is mentioning forechecking and how well and how good it's been in this three-game winning streak, and it just kind of coincides with the one player that was here that you actually had a losing record when he was on the ice compared to when he wasn't on the ice, I I don't know that that solely is the reason, but I can tell you that it's part of it. I'm sure that it's part of the reason why this team is playing better. They're actually hitting people. They're actually forechecking. They're actually giving more effort you know, defensively than they have in the past, which uh, is is obviously allowing them to help helping them to win games. And that was not a walkover last night, as we told you yesterday. New Jersey coming into that game, 20 wins, three losses, three overtime losses on the road this season. The Blues will take on Colorado tomorrow, noon pregame, 1 o'clock faceoff at the Enterprise Center. And then Sunday, the Blues are at Ottawa, and that's also a noon pregame. <laughs> Here on 101 ESPN. Cardinals are underway down in spring training. Ryan Helsley loses an arbitration case to the Cardinals. He'll make $2.15 million instead of uh, the $3 million that he had requested. I, I would like to make $2.15 million, but I'd like to make $3 million more. Does that, does that, how does that sit with him? I mean, obviously he has no. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose, but it's based off of. Your play and and I guess what you are projected mm-hmm. to be or or where you kind of slot in comparison to other players at your same level, correct? Yeah, and I think players do a really good job of understanding, especially if you don't go to the hearing, that right. it's a business. Cor- Corbin it's, Burns, we saw yesterday. Corbin Burns is really bothered by what Milwaukee said about him in the hearing. Mm. It, but it's not on. It, well. It is on. It is the team because they're fighting to give you less money, mm-hmm. and you're fighting to get more money. Does that does that give you a a, a sour taste in your mouth it when should. it comes time to to actually re up or or decide if you're going to sign a contract extension with that team? I think so because it tells you that they don't value exactly. You. They, they're they're looking at you in a different light than you are seeing yourself. And and as you said, there are going to be some things they got to say some things negative about you to not pay mm-hmm. you as much as you want to get paid. Yeah. Right. Right. So I would think that you know. That, that that always intrigued me to see how those arbitration cases kind of weighed out and panned out because it, it is it is a little bit difficult. Hennessy's Cabrera will head to arbitration today. Golf, uh, okay, who leads the uh, the Genesis Invitational? Nobody knows. It's Max Homa at 7-under. He's tied with Keith Mitchell. Tiger's at under 3-under. Three, three There's right? a guy that's 2-under. Yeah, it's, it's Tiger Woods. He, he birdied his last three holes to finish 2-under yesterday. And all due respect to Max Homa, but uh, he... He's not the story here. No, Tiger, Tiger Woods is. Yeah, Tiger, Tiger Woods. He is always the story. He is the the needle of of golf. Yeah. When when he's playing, that ne- that needle is all the way fired up. It's 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 in the direction of of, of positivity because he is the guy that you know if. It, what is the Genesis Cabrera? Well, I mean the, uh, uh, the Genesis, the, the, the Invitational. Genesis Invitational. What is that? Uh, it's a, it's a nice tournament held out nobody, in L.A. But nobody nobody's paying attention to that. People know Tiger about Woods. it because Tiger got hurt the day after there a few go. years ago. Well, well, nobody is paying attention to it if if Tiger Woods is not no. involved. Right, I mean, right. it's no. a, it's at Riviera and it's just it's 
it's just kind of there. Right. It's, it's a nice tournament. It's so, but you're right. Nobody that's not a golf fan is paying significant attention this week if Tiger's not there. He had, he 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 birdied his last three shots. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We understand that he is a he is he looked. I, I, Randy, this is the the fear that I have about Tiger. I, I've uh, since that injury. He's progressively gotten worse as the days have gone on. Yeah. Thursday, he's usually okay. He was he had a little bit of a limp yesterday when you watched. Now, maybe that's just his natural gait. Now that's how he walks. But as the days and the weekend goes on, Friday, Saturday, and especially Sunday, it was noticeable in his last tournament mm-hmm. how hard it was just to walk, let alone swing a club. So I'm hoping that he's better. He's healed. And he's able to actually finish the tournament because, as we said, Tiger Woods is the best thing that has happened to golf and will happen to golf. Ever, ever. Yes. Yep. And finally, the greatest family in sports of all time is, according to you, the Mannings. They beat the Williams in the finals 71.3% to 28.7%. So congratulations to Peyton and Eli and Archie as they take care of Venus and Serena. I voted for Venus and Serena. Slow clap from Kerry Davis. Nah. So it's, it's, it's all right. Yeah, you know, that that's why we have a, a, a voting system. That's mm-hmm. why we are, it's a democracy. Mm-hmm. We, all, we get to choose, you know, in which direction we want to go. Doesn't mean it's always right. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got, they, got the, I, they got this one wrong, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Listen, if, if if Arch is an NFL quarterback, maybe, in retrospect, yeah, no. this vote will be mm-hmm. correct. If Arch, is a, if, if Arch is a Pro Bowl NFL quarterback. But beyond that, I think Archie they got this wrong. Was a was a quarterback, an NFL quarterback, and it still doesn't help. That's doesn't true. matter. No, it doesn't matter. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. By the way, we have the NBA Rising Stars competition tonight here on 101 ESPN. We'll have the NBA All-Star Weekend tomorrow, NBA All-Star Saturday, and then the All-Star Game Sunday night at 6 here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Battlehawks get underway for their 2023 season this weekend. We're going to talk to their personnel man, Dave Bowler, next about his team on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and it is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Your St. Louis Battlehawks start their 2023 campaign on Sunday in San Antonio against the Brahmas. Three straight games to start this iteration of the XFL on the road for the Battlehawks before they come home to take on Arlington in their home opener March 12th at the Dome. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Dave Bowler is the Director of Player Personnel for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Dave, thanks so much for the time this morning. How's it going? you got to be excited. Great, guys. Appreciate me on. Hey, you guys got that cacao down pretty well. Yeah, we, we're we've veterans. been practicing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave, when you all were trying to construct this roster, what were some of the challenges that you all faced? Well, you know, number one, uh, staffy. We, we didn't have a big staff. It was really coaching me and then the, the assistants when we got them hired on help. But, uh, and the other thing was the unknown. You didn't know which players would say yes. So if you drafted a guy, maybe he wasn't all in, or maybe he was retired. The the system in the in the league did a great job trying to vet everybody. But between Canadian football, USFL, former NFL, college, it was a lot of numbers. 
Was there any uh, coaxing that you had to do for players that you said may have been on the fence trying to, you know, decide if they were going to continue to wait for an NFL tryout or a CFL tryout to, to convince them that the XFL would be one of the best opportunities to keep playing football? Yeah, especially the USFL, you know, we, we sold a better season, better coaching, uh, better management. And then the Canadian Football League, you know, when you talked about salaries, longer season, uh, the money transferring across the border. And then the only thing about NFL would be competing with the futures contracts. Like Coach and I, I think on the first draft, four guys end up on practice squads, and then they get trying to go, you're, you're bidding against the futures contract, which doesn't really guarantee them anything. So there's some recruiting that goes along with it too. Dave, this is a unique situation because here you have a home team that we don't know anything about. So as we watch the game on ABC on Sunday afternoon, who are the, some of the players that we should be watching for? Well, it's a good blend of mix of uh, some uh, some currently the guys that just played in the NFL in the last two years and some younger college guys. But, you know, I think everybody knows who our quarterback is, A.J. McCarron, and in his backup is Nick Piano. And Nick was originally at Mississippi State, uh, and then he uh, finished at Middle Tennessee. And, you know, we have a, a bunch of uh, good receivers, that, you know, Ricky Perel's son is there, Austin, uh, Marcel Aitman, uh, Hakeem Butler. And then, you know what, we have, a, we have I think our offensive line is going to surprise some people. And then on defense, we got a mix of, we have uh, three 29-year-olds on defense all the way down to 22-year-olds. Hey, Dave, uh, Randy talked about being not knowing the team, really, because they're not here. Do you find it tougher or is it easier, you know, being based in, in Texas when you're having to travel for both home and away games? Um, I think it's tougher because when you're at home, like if we were in St. Louis this weekend, you know, once we get done this afternoon, the guys can go home and have the whole afternoon. And tomorrow you wake up on Saturday, it's an easy day. But every, every day of the game or the day before, we are traveling. So when you're at home, you get a little bit more time off. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, so, yeah, every week we're, we're, it's basically a road game. Dave, but Bol- it will be under St. Louis. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> that'll be fun when, when you get back to the Dome. Dave Bowler is the director of player personnel for the Battlehawks. And, Dave, one of the other tough aspects of this and as fans we don't think about it Kerry knows because Kerry's a coach and he he's played his entire life but you really need to have chemistry among your coaching staff too and I know you guys had time before camp started but how's that come along because you have a lot of veteran coaches a lot of people that come from different systems how's the chemistry of your coaching staff you know what coach Beck did a great job there you know he's he's he has a big network all the places he's played and between when he was uh, commentating at ESPN, um, you, you got some great experience and some young guys with not as much experience but have great football backgrounds. It's a it's a great group of guys. They teach. Uh, they're positive. Um, they bring a lot to the table. I'm excited. I've been on a lot of staffs. This is one of my favorites. Hey, Dave, when you look at this iteration of, of the XFL, this is really the third uh, version. You had the first one when you had He Hate Me. Uh, then you had the pandemic-stricken one a few years ago. What will be the difference uh, in this version in comparison to those other two? You know, I remember I was in the NFL. matter of fact, I think I scouted you at Illinois but, uh, <laughs> on the first one. And I was in Philly and when the Who Hate Me thing was. And you were thinking it was more of a gimmick then, mm-hmm. if you remember. 
the cheerleaders, the timeouts. I, I can remember some of their stuff, but uh, you know, I, I remember I, I remember who won the thing, and it was uh, Tommy Maddox's team. And then on go round two, I was involved with uh, in the Arlington team with Co- Coach Stoops. Uh, very similar to that one. Um, it, like I said again, I think the stadiums and the cities are picked, and the coaches are uh, were well thought of. Uh, like I said, the management team is awesome. And uh, I think the product will be uh, the best the XFL's ever seen. Yeah, that first version had like a mad scramble for the football to see who got the got the uh, got to receive the ball uh, for the opening kickoff. <laughs> That's right. You know, the one thing that was interesting to me, it came up. I was talking to Al Ludenville the other day, me and Anthony, and he was the original winning coach. And uh, his son, of course, is Tommy. But they had a winning hundred thousand dollar winner take all bonus. Wow, which is kind of unique. Yeah, you know, but their salaries weren't as good, so it'd be about the same. So, hey, uh, we're we're excited about you guys getting to town, and I know people are still clamoring for tickets for the Battlehawks as you get things started. And I know that's one of the things that you guys will have maybe the best home field advantage in the XFL. You know what? When Coach brought uh, some of the players and staff back uh, about a month ago, right, the first training camp, they came back, and you saw on social media how well it was received. And uh, hey, you know what? The uh, support's been great, and let's just uh, keep it going until they fill it to the top. Is that something that you have 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 you all have expressed to the players just how uh, exciting this city was for Battlehawks football when they were here a couple of years ago? Yes, and, and I think you, they'll never really realize it until they take the field. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, they've been prepared, and you know, let them know that hey, you know what? We need to bring we need to bring it now. You know, the St. Louis fans deserve it. And I think the guys are ready for that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be three weeks from now. But when that happens, uh, you know, shoot, you know, they'll, they'll uh, be playing great underneath the lights. Hey, Dave, what, one other thing here. You, you mentioned that you talked to Al Luganbill, who is obviously renowned in St. Louis because he coached Kurt Warner in the World League. And then Kurt Warner came here and became Kurt Warner. And it was an, a conversation between Al Luganbill and Charlie Army that got Kurt Warner started in the World League. What's, what's Al Luganbill up to? Is he involved with the league? No. Uh, you know what? He keeps in tap. He loves football. He was recently involved with ASU, where I came from. And uh, he, he, he asked me, uh, knew about Coach Beck and us, and just called the other day, and, and he reminisced about, you know, coaching then. And, yeah, the court warning thing. And uh, I don't know what football league Coach Louisville's not been involved. You know, he's like the you – know, Yeah, he, he's been great. Hey, Coach, uh, uh, Dave, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Go get him this weekend in San Antonio and uh, have a great road trip, and we'll be talking to you, I'm sure, before the Battlehawks get things started here at home in March. Hey, appreciate it, guys, and go Battlehawks. You Thank bet. You. Uh, that is Dave Bowler. He's the director of player personnel for the Battlehawks, and you can just go to xfl.com slash tickets to get tickets for the opener, the home opener for the Battlehawks, and that takes place against, let me make sure I get it right here, uh, week four, and I just want to get the right date for you, March 12th, Sunday, March 12th, 4 o'clock game against the Arlington Renegades. Ren, as I sit here, and it just kind of dawned on me, Knowing that St. Louis was really the most prominent team in the XFL a few years ago, I wonder if there was some some thought process behind allowing them to start their first three games on the road and kind of building up that anticipation, that expectation. If you come in here three and zero, playing extremely well, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. So it, there may be some some you know something some thought process behind 
having those first three road games and letting the anticipation. Now, you got to play well because if you stink it up, then it's going to be tough. But mm-hmm. if you play well, you're in all three of those games, potentially winning all three of those games. It's going to be it's going to be really fun to see that stadium when they return here. And when they shut things down in 2020, they were going to have 40,000 in the building. Yeah. They, they had a road game, and then they were going to come home and open up the Upper Bowl, yep. which was going to be amazing. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think those young men uh, deserve that energy. There's a... You really don't understand how important fans are if you, unless you're on that field and can feel that energy of them screaming and shouting on, on when you're on defense and the opposing offense can't hear the play calls, they can't hear the, the, the snap count. It really changes and it enthuses that, enthuses that defense to really play harder. And the team as a, as a whole, you want to go out there and do your best for, the, for those guys out there watching you. And we're a great sports town, another opportunity to show America that we are not just a, a great baseball and hockey town, but we're a great football town and soccer town, too. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're a great golf town. And our buddy Jay Delsing, he of the 20 holes in one, will join us as he does every Friday here on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. A correction, I said that the uh, Battle Hawks home opener starts at 4. That's 4 Eastern, 3 Central. So if you're going in March, uh, we will reiterate that it starts at 3 St. Louis time. Thanks for the uh, correction from the text line, which is 314-399-9646. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where Jay Delsing is standing by, former PGA Pro, proprietor of Wild Crush out in town and country. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Good morning. What's happening? Hey, we always like having you on the show. And so often on this show with you, we tend to touch on live golf. And Carrie and I were talking about the needle mover in golf, Tiger Woods, how fun it is to talk about actual golf that's taking place. And we don't know what Tiger's going to do over the next two or next round or three, but it sure is fun to have him out there, isn't it? 
Oh my gosh, it was it was incredible. I mean, the entire to say that Tiger moves a needle isn't even descriptive enough, you guys. I mean, he he rocks the golf world. I mean, he wins the the um, the the pip. Um, contest by just opening his window or something you know he doesn't have to do anything and and i think he, he won the, the 12 million bucks last year so i think what's really cool you guys is as his career has taken another gosh kind of crazy turn with the accident and, and all those things which is about it it's about a two-year anniversary i think of, of this week it, it's it's neat to see him be more involved with the tour be more involved with with what's going on, what's happening, what, you know, what direction we're going to try to head to and, uh, and, and, and that, because otherwise he was so focused on his career and so focused on breaking records and winning golf events that, uh, you know, that he, he wasn't much involved like that before. Hey, speaking of that, doesn't he? He seems more personable now. I'm mean, I'm watching him laugh with Justin Thomas and, and Rory during their their first round. It doesn't seem like 10, 15, 20 years ago he was willing to even allow those people into his circle and have fun, uh, at least outwardly to to us while we're watching. No, you're absolutely right, Kerry. I mean, it's a great catch because he 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 is. Well, if you think about what's happened to him, my gosh, I mean, we watched one of the most public karma sandwiches, you know, un- oh, yeah. unfold. And it, and it didn't last for a minute, guys. It lasted for almost 10 years. I mean, he, he, it, it was tough. And, and I, I don't know how he, how he personally dealt with all of that. I mean, we are talking about a really strong, mentally strong guy. Did you see, by the way, and there was a, a tweet on the Twitter machine that uh, Matthew sent us last night, that he outdrove Just, Justin Thomas, and then as they're walking down the, the fairway, he hands Justin Thomas covertly a feminine hygiene product? <laughs> I did not see that, but I, 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 it doesn't surprise me at all. Guys, there is, there is more of that. There, there are more little, little innuendos and things like that that go on. And, and I can't tell you what was said, but I was a rookie on the PGA Tour, and I was playing in the Manufacturer Hanover's Classic in New York, and I was playing with J.C. Sneed. And we were on the, bike, we were on the green. And our, the third person that we were, were playing with had, had done something that was delaying us. So he and I were standing on, off the side of the green. And you'd die if I told you what he told me. <laughs> I, I didn't know whether to laugh or to run. I was just like, holy smokes! And and um, and and later that week, I played with um, a guy named Ed Fiore, who was known nicknamed as a grip because he had this horrible grip, but it was really a great player. And I had never been given so much grief in a, in a round of golf. I mean, I, I finally said to him on the 18th tee, I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know who you are, man. Why why are you picking on me so much? And he said, oh, son, he goes, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't even talk to you. And I said, is that a bad thing? I'd rather have you not talk to me. I don't even know who you are. I don't care about, you know, you. And anyway, it, it, it was an interesting kind of uh, trial out there. And, and but, but Tiger doing that, I, I also noticed, guys, that Tiger changed balls this week to try to up his ball speed. And I watched, oh, gosh, as much of it as I could yesterday. And he was smashing that driver. Hey, Jay, which Tiger is better for golf? Is it the, the version that we're seeing now, more playful, more more open, or is it the one that dominated and, and, and really seemed like he had no friends and it was all about, you know, that internal drive and that focus? 
That's a great question, Kerry. I, I would probably have to say the first one because we wouldn't because the the kinder, gentler tiger that we're seeing now wouldn't matter as much mm-hmm. if he wasn't so so dominating. But you know, just in terms of a, a human being, and 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 I mean, it's a, he's he, he softened just a great deal. I mean. You, you listen to his press conferences now, and, and, I mean, they talked about Arnold Palmer and Gary Player playing 50 Masters events, and he looked at them and said, guys, don't even ask me the next question. There's no way I'm making anywhere close to that. So he's the, – the, what happened to his leg, you guys, is um, I have heard, and I may have mentioned this before, that the doctor said for – you know, if it were probably you and I, they would have just amputated. This leg was really, really in bad shape. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, Jay, a couple more things. Number one, when you look at the statistics this year, when you look at the FedEx Cup points, Rahm is number one, no surprise there. Max Home is up there at number two, Keegan Bradley. Uh, you've got Scotty Scheffler, who's number one in the world now at number five. You've got Finau at number seven. Has anybody so far this year, and I know we're only seven uh, really big events in nine events total, has anybody impressed you where the the game has changed for them? And you think, okay, that's a person now that has a chance to win a major that I didn't think had a chance before. Yeah, Randy, Tony Finau comes right to the top list. And Max Homa is, is getting there as well. When you see what happens to these guys when they're really, really good players and they've won events before, but they haven't won consistently, something changes in their confidence level. I really don't believe it's much in their game. It's not like, oh, my gosh, I found this key. It's in their confidence level. And Tony Finau sticks out to me because he had so many near misses. I think at one point in time he had one win on the PGA Tour, but then had, I think, seven second-place finishes or six second-place finishes. And then then he he won. And you, you could see something, um, you know, because he had played a lot of really, really good golf, and he didn't lose events. Someone else just took them from him and played better, which – which does happen. But if you get yourself up the leaderboard often enough, guys will, will screw stuff up and events will be handed to you. And he won his second event, I think, this year. It might have even been the first one. I, I can't remember. It was, But it was the event up in, in Minneapolis, the 3M, where he didn't play his best and he still won the tournament because everybody else around him Scott Piercy had a big lead, and there was another uh, gentleman that was up there that played well that just didn't, just couldn't quite close the door. And Tony Finau came away with that win, and then he rattled off two more wins after that. And he's got incredible uh, game, guys. Just a lot of game. Hey, Jay, you, you talk a lot about the, the mental aspect of golf, and I was wondering, when you're looking at the golf rankings, and let's say you move up to, to top 10 and top 5, it has to give a shot to your confidence in a positive direction, but if you're a top 5 player and you drop, let's say to a 50th or 60th or, or maybe out of the top 100, how much does that impact you mentally uh, with your golf game? Oh my gosh, Kerry, a lot. I mean, it, it happens a lot. It, it's um... Because what that says in a nutshell, you know, is obviously I'm not playing very well. Mm -hmm. And it's been sustained. You know, one of the things that snowballs, and you know this um, as a professional athlete, Kerry, is that that you get in your own head and it gets scary in there because you start (laughs) ruminating those negative thoughts and then all of a sudden – you know, you can't you can't catch a pass or you can't, you know, make a block that you typically do. And, and for golfers, it's, you know, you may not be able to get this thing in from two feet. Your, your mind starts playing tricks with you and runs. 
and and you start getting those, you know, it, 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 take, take Ricky Fowler, for example. Now, Ricky went back and, and is back with um, um, uh, with uh, Harmon, with Butch Harmon, and his, his, he's had a couple of top tens this year, and his game is showing signs of revitalization. But prior to that, I think, Kerry, he was out of the top 200 mm-hmm. in the world. And so, you know, it, I mean, that's some dark days because that's a, a good solid year of playing poorly. And, and um, sometimes, I mean, we've seen guys like the Ian Baker Finches of the world and the Chip Becks of the world go from leading the money list to falling off the, off the PGA Tour because this game can do that to you and make it completely nuts. I, I mean, I, I'm – I'm right here, uh, a, a walking, talking, you know, version of that. Yeah. Jay, I, I tell people all the time when I was uh, a sophomore, or well, my redshirt freshman year at Illinois, I couldn't catch a pass. And our head coach said, hey, if Kerry is in the game and this play is called, call a timeout. We're, we're not throwing it to him. I don't care what it is. I don't care how many timeouts we have. I don't care what part of the game. We're in. It was my confidence was that shot that I just couldn't catch anything. And then conversely, once you start feeling better, and working on it, and, and now you, you you feel like you are able to catch everything. It kind of changes. It is all mental. It's really never physical. Now, Kerry, I, I love this story about the great Larry Bird when he was at Indiana State. I think he was having a terrible night. He was two for seventeen or eighteen, and um, and there they were. Uh, there was a tight game at ten minutes, ten seconds left in the game. A timeout was called, and the coach ran the typical play. Said, "Look, you know." here's what we're going to do. Larry, come off the screen and you shoot your, you know, your 18 footer or whatever. And, and he hit the shot, won the game. And afterwards they said to Larry, how, I mean, how did you do that? You couldn't hit the broad side of a barn today. He said, do you know what kind of shooter I am? Because I was so due. I figured if I just threw that thing up, it was due to go in because I'm that good. So there's certain players and that, that have that mentality that I feel like in, in the MLB, they, they come out and they're they're looking to try to make it into the Hall of Fame. And there's other guys like me that was, when it got going bad, I started wondering, gosh, what happened to me? Where'd I go? And you just get lost for a time. Hey, Jay, who do you have on the show on Sunday? I got Lee Trevino and and, the, and I've got um, uh, J.R. Remspetra. He's a local teacher down at Family Golf and Learning Center. And we're all, you know, Danny Mack and I are doing the uh, Beyond the Fairways uh, podcast. It's going to drop the 1st of March. And so we're really excited. Lee Trevino, guys, what what a character he is. Great story. He wouldn't though. go into locker rooms, guys. Really? He wouldn't go into, no, he, wouldn't, he said he didn't want to waste time. So he was changing his shoes in the parking lot at Augusta National. That didn't go over. So. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I bet they got upset about that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, great to have you with us, Jay. Thanks. Have a great weekend. You guys, too. Thank you. See you you later. That's Jay Delsing. You can hear him at 9 o'clock Sunday morning with Lee Trevino on 101 ESPN. It's Golf with Jay Delsing. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it.
Welcome to Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Your text line is open. 314-399-9646. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy, and CD. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. I guess who's 60 today? I dream I grew like my... Michael Jordan is 60, CD. Hey, happy birthday to the GOAT. Take it or leave it, it's really underrated that he hit the game-winning shot in the NCAA championship game as a freshman. Oh, take it. We, we don't think about no, that we part don't. of it, do we? That 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 really, Rock, Rock clearly is confused. He doesn't yeah. know that Michael Jordan went to college or that he hit a game-winning mm-hmm. Shot in college for a championship. Yeah. He's he's baffled because this is why I don't argue with certain age groups in as it pertains to 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 sport. Mm-hmm. There's no reason he's confused. 1982, they beat Georgetown and Jordan hit the game winner as a freshman. He he had no clue that that ever no, even happened. I very much had a clue. I just have to go find a new fight question. Oh, sorry. No, well. no, you can use it. You can How use did it. you hone in on the one piece of Jordan information <laughs> I had chosen to be the fight question today? <laughs> How? It's underrated. What the heck? Take it. Well, I'll take it. It's underrated. That's yeah. why I used it's, it. It's absolutely <laughs> amazing here that oh, Mr. Sorry, Parker does this so often. He's 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 just the best. Uh, Randy. <laughs> By the way, the first five, the first seven words of the fight today right. were "Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to, to the, the goat, goat, Michael Jeffrey Jordan." There you go. I'm just saying, what the? It happens. Michael and I are the same age. He's had a better career than me. Uh, his, his, Randy, his, now his, his boat is nicer. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he has he probably has more money. I don't know if you could say the better career. Uh, well. You've been doing. You've been. You've been consistent for 40 years, sir. Well, he had he had a run there where he was the greatest of all time. He's been in upper management for a while. It ain't been that great, Randy. <laughs> That's true. So, I can do better than that. You go. I would not have taken Kwame Brown. Eh, eh, he does right. have a boat. Let me just get this for you. Uh, the upkeep on Michael Jordan's yacht, $840,000 a week. Oh, how take, much? Yeah, he takes his yacht out for a week cruise, eight hundred and forty grand. Wow. That's a lot of money. That is. Yeah, a whole lot of money. Randy, we were talking about Tiger Woods earlier and, and you know how great he is for the game of golf. Take it or leave it, he finishes top five this weekend in the Genesis Invitational. I'm going to leave it. Okay. But I'm going to say that at some point in 2023, he is going to finish top five in a tournament. Does he win another tournament? Yes. A major? Yes. Oh, all right, Randy. He's magic. He's unbelievable. I, I like it. All right, we've got your text, 65, uh, no, not, it's 314-399-9646. That's the text line, 314-399-YO-HO. All right, uh, the bewildered Matthew Rocchio, what do you got? Take it or leave it, the Broncos hire Rex Ryan, and it's one of the best moves of the offseason. Oh, leave it. Nobody, leave it, yeah. No, I'm leaving it. You said, no, they don't need They don't need Rex Ryan. They, they, they're, listen, their defense was pretty much on autopilot all last year. Mm-hmm. They were one of the best defenses in the league. And they did lose their coordinator to Carolina, yeah. Elviro Ajaro. They, the guys that they had yeah. out there, you, I can go coach them, Randy. They, they, they compete. They work their butts off. They tackle well. Mm-hmm. They cover well. They just didn't they, – they, the only thing that they didn't do well was score touchdowns because they needed to score two or three a game in order to win because the offense couldn't do it. Yeah, I don't think Rex Ryan's the answer now either in – not in – for the 2023 season. Who else are they looking at there? I don't even know who Peyton's looking at. 
when it comes to the defensive coordinator, I'm not 100% yeah. sure either. Um, but, hey, I, I would love it if Rex Ryan, I like it when he's a personality, and that's why uh, keep him behind the desk. Rex funny. Ryan is interviewing, by the way, so that's wow, good not him. completely out of the realm of possibility. But I don't know that Rex Ryan is an answer right now in the NFL for that job. Take it or leave it. The NBA should get rid of the slam dunk contest. Oh, man. Carrie? If, if, listen. Don't you be a party the, pooper. The only thing that they need to do differently is if you don't make it on the first two attempts, it's over with. Nobody needs to see you do it. Try this dunk the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time. We know what's coming. It's not fun. It's not exciting. There's no mystique to it anymore. And you obviously can't do it if it takes you eight attempts. So, yeah, if you're going to get rid of that part, you get a zero if you don't get it down in the first two dunks. The contest jumped the shark, literally, when Blake Griffin jumped a Kia. Oh, that was it? Bad. That was it, yeah. That was it? Aaron, that was it for you? Aaron yeah. Gordon's been. Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine have been the only Those two, redeemers. that was the best dunk contest in... Probably the last. Well, Gordon's done it multiple times. Fifteen years. Even the one, even his one from two years ago was was really good. The Nate Robinson that didn't eh. move me. The first really. one until, but then when it got like him and Dwight. Yeah, the Superman. When it got to people throwing the ball into the rim instead of actually you know connecting yeah. hand to rim. Vince Carter is still hands down. Honey dip, baby. The best dunk contest ever. It was great. Yeah. I wish they would have had an NBA contest with Dr. J in his prime. Oh. Dr. I J mean, was unbelievable. Here's the thing about Dr. J. And so though. was Neek. Neek was unbelievable. Here's the thing about Dr. J. I want to see him do the dunk contest, but I don't because he rocked the cradle live in a game. And yeah, that's true, all I need, yeah. that's all I ever need to see. Him rocking the cradle coming down the wing is all I ever need to see of a player dunking the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see stop no defenders. He did that live in a freaking game. That was incredible. Take it or leave it, the Daytona five hundred is not mentioned at all on Monday's show. I'm gonna leave that. <laughs> now that you've texted you it, in. it, yeah, it's a little bit of an inception kind of thing there. Yeah. It'll be on the open. It'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Ross Chastain. Oh, Carrie, I like this one. Okay. Carrie, take it or leave it. The Jordan Pippen Rodman Bulls beats and dominates any team since 1998. That would include the three Pete Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. Mm. That might be a tough one. That would include Shaq the three Pete Lakers. Shaq was so dominant. Shaq was so so dominant, and and I mean, I, I we're, we're, the ninety eight three centers to hack a Shaq though. Yeah, but you, Bill Winnington, <laughs> Longley. Oh, but all Lou you're doing, Longley. all you're doing is foul. You got the you've got fifteen fouls. Yeah, you got you you're gonna have to use you, even <laughs> that. Yeah, he's still go, they're gonna foul out, and then you're gonna have to put Rodman on him. Like it, it's gonna be just because of Shaq's dominance. I'm always gonna go with Michael Jordan, but. I think that would be a tougher challenge than than uh, here's the thing than any of the other ones. That KD Steph Curry Warriors team would 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 be a a challenge as now well. You're showing your bias. The, the, no, I'm, I, well, I believe that because it's just it's too much, so shooting. much shooting. There's a major X factor here, and it's Scottie Pippen's defense. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, Scottie. Nobody stops or shuts down Kobe. Scottie neutralizes both Kobe and Steph. I like that, but who's going to guard KD? Because I think you got to put Scotty on KD. Rodman takes care of ah, KD. I like KD, that. KD wants nothing to do with Dennis Rodman. I, 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 he would be an irritant. I, I, yep. could, I could agree with that. I'm still taking the Bulls, but you know. Well, the, the other, the be... biggest X factor here is that at the end of the game, who's hitting the shot to win the game? 
Well, the guy who did it as a freshman Jeffrey in college. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, team? I mean, so I mean, that means Jordan's guarding Clay Thompson. Take, I think I know who I'm taking in that matchup. Takes from the 3 one Who is Phil Jackson coaching in that man in that matchup? Ooh, good one. Oh. Uh, the player that he said was the best, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. We'll just let, we'll just let Tax Winner run the Chicago Bulls offense, and Phil Jackson will coach the Lakers. That'll be nah. pretty, it'll be pretty nah. much the same thing. Yeah. You got to have. Right, Tax that, Winner did yeah. all the X's and O's work on the Bulls team. Why not yeah, just let him run it? Phil was the Zen master. It's one game. I yeah. need to know Phil Jackson. I know he's old, but I need to. He's the one guy that I feel like could reach into my soul and get me to live in the moment. <laughs> right now? Did right. you read his book, Eleven Rings? I, I mean, mean he, he got me better at living in the moment just by reading the book. Yeah. What book do you think Phil Jackson would give you? What kind of book would Phil Jackson give you? Oh, that's, that's his a big great thing. question, yeah. He should give me his own book, actually. <laughs> uh, Probably a book about inner peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I need just, something just, like that. Wow, Randy, Not, he said that and he wasn't even on the golf course. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I didn't hear this. What happened? Was it was it black well, Randy, Randy, Randy was accused of being very angry every time he teed oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> Randy was every time it he was, teed off. Was, Will Will Harrell was like, "You are, I mean, you are an angry it? man." I was hitting the hell out of the ball. <laughs> and so I think the fact that Carrie uh, even zoned in on the yeah. inner peace listen, book without listen, being yeah. there, I mean, are, it says a lot. We are like spirits. I, I understand. <laughs> When the when when the anger riles up, mm-hmm. we we do a good job of masking it, but deep down inside, it's it's, it's a little turmoil there when we get upset. So it, yeah, it's there. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, one more. Okay. Take it or leave it. Rock Stanley Cup face tattoo is still alive and well. Yes, well, indeed, yes. totally. Yeah, there's hey, absolutely no doubt about that. Thought that was out of the oh, yeah. we out of the weeds. There, I was I was going to lose hard for Bedard and keep my face clean. No, yeah. buddy. So yeah, I think I know where that came from. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's great. Hey, thanks for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Tiger is back. What'd you think of that two under? That's next on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Five in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. And Tiger Woods returned to competitive golf yesterday at the Genesis Open in Pacific Palisades, California. He was two under after nine holes, and then he bogeyed 10, he bogeyed 12. So he is even as he heads down the stretch then. 
a birdie on number 16, a birdie on number 17, a birdie on number 18, and he finished two under for the day. And Kerry, pretty impressive for him at the end of a day because he had only walked 16 in his practice round. Pretty impressive for him to uh, bogey the par three and then a par five on number 17, and then he gets a, a, a birdie, birdie 16, 17, and 18 to finish two under for the day. I mean, that's really impressive. We've talked about his ability to withstand walking an entire 18 and, and how his body, we saw on Thursday, it, it looked okay. We'll know more today. We'll know more, even more Saturday. And if he makes it to, to Saturday and Sunday, we'll see how, how he holds up. But I, I am, as we talked about it earlier, he moves the needle. Tiger Woods is the player. I don't know, Randy, I don't know if there's a player in any sport maybe in the history of sports that has moved their respective sport in the manner in which Tiger has. No. I, I don't think that there is, when he's playing, all eyes are glued to the TV. It, you didn't do that when Michael Jordan was playing. You didn't do that maybe when Ali was boxing. I didn't I didn't get to see him box. I, I wasn't old enough. Uh, so I was too young, obviously. I wasn't born when he was but still the boxing. The thing with Ali was, if you would have had a fight between George Foreman and Joe Lewis, or, or Joe Frazier, mm-hmm. people would have watched. Right. With Tiger, the the ratings bear it out. The ratings are more than twice as high when, when Tiger plays. He yeah. he essentially is a sport unto himself. Yes, and so to be able to be to finish the way that he finished yesterday, uh, birdie sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, is awesome for him specifically because we've known we've heard all of the things that he's gone through Jay was talking about it yeah he probably should have lost his leg or could have lost his leg Mm -hmm. they could have amputated it because that's how bad it is and how damaged it is he talked yesterday I heard him say you know sometimes my socks are different the shoes are different he said there's not a lot of swelling right now in my ankle from from day to day week to week uh, month to month I'm changing shoes and how I'm going about my process because this shoe is too small. This shoe is now too big. This sock is cutting off circulation. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case may be, that's a lot of stuff to just deal with in everyday life. But to be a professional athlete and still try to manage that and process that and go through that, it's it's awesome to see what he's able to do. I hope he can continue. And I hope he does finish top five, top ten, just to give himself confidence and know that that leg is sturdy enough to play an entire mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, tire weekend and and get through it and be able to see how how far he can really take this. And I, Kerry, you played at the highest level. We hear so many athletes say that if I'm not getting nervous before I compete anymore, then I just need to leave. And Tiger still getting nervous. I was able to simulate nerves at home because I've come off layoffs before, and I was able to simulate that stuff. But there's nothing like come game time. Uh, just the feeling of the butterflies and trying to calm all that stuff down, the adrenaline, the ball goes further. Even though it's cold out here, it was going even further than I than we expected. Um, I had to dial all that back in. Joey hadn't seen me hit a golf ball in a while, and so obviously he's his feels are we're, we're trying to get you know the the feels for out there and then the shots and the distances, um, and we adapted very quickly. This is why sports is so so fun to me as a former professional athlete. Here's the greatest golfer in the world talking about still getting butterflies. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there are still, no matter how good you are, no matter how great you are, there is still a smidgen of doubt in your brain that tells you, man, can I still do this at the level that I have? And when you make shots, 
and when you make the, the when you hit the ball good and you hit it cleanly, that doubt goes away. Okay, I can. Mm-hmm. But then it creeps back in when you get a bogey. Like maybe I can't. And it's a constant battle of really good and evil inside of you that says I can. No, you can't. I can. It's on your shoulders. Right? It's, it's go. It goes back and <laughs> forth. And to be able to process that and push that negative thought aside, the pain that you're dealing with. I, I just really love the psychology of sports because. You know, there is so it's so hard at times when you're a professional athlete to really continuously do things and be successful with it. And like I said, here's the greatest golfer in the world. You know, I got butterflies going into this because mm-hmm. I really don't know. Am I going to be able to do this at the level that I am accustomed to doing it at? It's all it's 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 fun for me to hear and it's fun for us to watch. And one of the cool things about yesterday is that he got to play with two of his really good friends in Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. Rory's, you know, been been beating us all day, and uh, you know he's nervous as can be because he didn't want to be the one to, to miss on 18, and I, I didn't want to be the the idiot host to miss it around in front of everybody after I just went birdie birdie. You know, these are all things that that we all say amongst each other, um, but obviously people don't hear it. But we don't, Caddy's here, we all hear it, and it was it was a great round, ebb and flow of us uh, needling each other, encouraging each other, and telling stories because I, I haven't been out here so I had missed uh, some of the things that have transpired on tour which is kind of fun pretty cool and he will be with those guys again today and that obviously is going to ease his mind those butterflies that you talked about mm-hmm. he won't have as many because he's with his buddies yeah I mean it's, it's fun to be with guys you know and, ha- and, and have that familiarity um, and, and then also to be playing well Randy it makes it a lot easier to, it, it's amazing when you're playing well you have more fun Yep, when you're, when yep. you're not, it's uh, you're terrible to be around when you're struggling. You're dragging your leg. You're just trying to get through it, and you're not hitting the ball particularly well. It's not fun. Losing is not fun, which is why I had to go get golf lessons because <laughs> I am miserable on the golf course. It should not be that terrible to be around me because I don't have fun when I'm not hitting the ball well. So, yeah, you, you want to play well in order to have fun. And by the way, Tiger and Rory and Justin will tee off on number 10 today at 925 St. Louis time. So you can tune in. I believe it's on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken, and you can watch all the action. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to talk some blues hockey and probably about something else, too, with our buddy Joe Vitale. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The great Joe Vitale is scheduled to join us here on 101 ESPN right now. Now, Joey runs on Friday mornings before he comes on with us. It's 22 degrees in Mm. St. Louis right now. 22. And it's supposed to get warmer from here, but he might just be so cold that his teeth are chattering and he can't talk on the phone right now. Randy, that's the one thing I want to get back to being able to do is running. Running hurts. Like my knees Mm -hmm. and back hurt. When Wait I 20 run. years, big boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's even I, worse. I feel like I'm already there. Like yeah. I, I'm running. Okay. So but I also don't know how to ease myself. And I have a I have a problem, Randy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I 
really feel like if I say I'm going to go run, I'll go run like 101 tens. That oh, was like our, yeah, that's our test. So for, when when you get up from a chair, do you have not to push 101 tens? Oh, 10 ones. Yeah. That's that's a what that's a lot. That's yeah, it's still a lot. lot of yards. When when you get up from a chair, do you have to like push yourself up with your Sometimes, arms? Yeah. yeah. Cuz your knees just it depends. If I sit there too long, yeah. Yeah, that's why you've I, heard me got. You've heard me get up. From, yeah, oh, yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard it's not, it. Not good around here at times. Yeah. Let's go to the uh, Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. The one and only Joe Vitale joins us here on 101 ESPN. And I said, Joey, first of all, good morning. Uh, second of all, I, I said it. Uh, you, your teeth might have been chattering because it's 22 degrees outside, and you went for a run. You might just have been not able to talk on the phone because your teeth were chattering. I don't know. What's going on. Apparently, it went right to voicemail. I was sitting around hanging on and driving down the road here, and all of a sudden, I heard the blues update. I'm like, oh, that's supposed to be my update. I haven't got a call yet. <laughs> so, sorry for the malfunction there. But, yeah, we went for a quick little rip this morning, and, boys, it was uh, it was a bit nippy out there. There's got to be better ways to burn calories and run in this, this, this cold weather. That's for sure. Joey, you are a former retired player. You're a former player, retired player, and played for a number of years. Does your body hurt? when you get up or, or does the running help with easing some of those joint pains and, and agonies that I, I deal with? Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Carrie, it's, yeah, the body doesn't maybe work as well as it, it, it used to, you know, you, you put it, you put it through the ringer for, for so long. And I mean, you think about, you think about, you know, the anatomy of a human and the way we've evolved. I don't know if necessarily we, we evolved to endure the pain that we put our bodies through. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like scientifically, that's not why we're here. We're probably here just to run around and procreate and eat food and then die. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not meant to be on 220 pounds on razor blades on ice. <laughs> so obviously the hips and the anatomy from that standpoint doesn't work too well. I would imagine it's no different for, for football players. You know, my, my buddy, he's got a woodpecker problem. Uh, his name's Giuseppe. He's having a big woodpecker problem. All these woodpeckers, they keep, they keep trying to peck holes in his siding. And, he, and I guess he took a couple of them out with a pellet gun the other day. He was saying. Mm, okay. um, but uh, th- th- my point is, um, you know, woodpeckers, they were conditioned yes. to bang their heads against siding. That's uh, what they were born to do. They have a hydroid bone, which is, separates the brain from their skull, which is mm-hmm. like a cushion bone. Um, obviously, Carrie, as you know, humans, we don't have that. And that's where uh, when you go head to head, uh, that's where the noggin gets kind of dinged around as well. So, again, I bring that up because I don't know if our bodies were conditioned to do the things we were supposed to do. But at the same time, uh, it was a good life. It's just we're feeling the pain of it now. Joey, I, I think that it's very interesting because I, I, when you first talked about that, I thought the guy had named the woodpecker Giuseppe. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. The woodpecker's not named Giuseppe. The guy that killed the woodpecker, yeah. his name. Yeah, he's Italian. So us Italians, listen, we we handle things our own way. And, you know, he he it's, it's, he was giving me the play-by-play the other day about it. He was texting me and calling me. He's like, he put out a feeder. Um, he, he went out there. Apparently, he spooked them. Then we got into the discussion about how good their eyesight is. And then they can see the whites in your eyes. So then he went all camoed out. He put the face mask on. He's literally, and he called me, and he's whispering, "Hey, I'm, I'm perched. I'm perched up in the window. I mean, what do you mean perched up for? What, 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 what language are you using? You're perched up. You're not a sniper. Um, but anyway, he's outside his window, and uh, apparently there wasn't one, but there was two of them. And he's got two confirmed kills and one unconfirmed at this moment. That is that is amazing, Joey. The fact that you knew that Woody uh, Woody Woodpeckers had Woody uh, Woodpecker, Woody. Uh, yeah, they are yeah. named Woody. That Woodpeckers had the 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 cushion 
to prevent them from getting concussions. Like we all, we, we could have used that, I'm sure, in our time playing contact sports, running into people. Which, as you said, Joey, our, our bodies were not conditioned to do that. Nor well, were our maybe, brains. Well, maybe if we if we play football another three thousand, four thousand years, carry maybe ah, we will evolve yeah. to actually create some sort of cushion. You know, it's kind of like the T Rex. You look at T Rex; it's an amazing, amazing creature. It's this big, uh, fierce creature with these big jaws. But look at its hands. His hands, he's got a little dangly hands, you know what I mean? Because um, over time, they stopped using their front their front limbs because their back limbs were so powerful as far as chasing. So as time went on, the, the less you use them, the less nature says, okay, well, we don't need these anymore. So uh, by process of elimination, then the, the T-Rex essentially started losing its front limbs because it didn't need them because of its back legs and its powerful jaw. So, again, maybe another you know, 20,000 years of football, uh, we'll, be, we'll be singing a different story. Hmm. Joe Vitale is with us on 101 ESPN. Joe, I had to ask you this question, and I regret not asking you last Friday, but I was on the always reliable Wikipedia uh, on Tuesday, on Valentine's Day. I never realized that uh, Valentine was a, a Christian martyr, that Valentine's Day was originated, according to Wikipedia, as a Christian feast day honoring a martyr. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, St. Valentine. Without a doubt, he's due as a Roman saint back, I think I want to say, like, the 3rd century. Randy, um, I think it was on the 3rd century. And that's, and that's where we get the – I don't really know the origin of why he was the saint of love and saint um, – and, that, and that's also why a lot of people ask, why, are we, why do we have it in February? Like, why wouldn't we move this loving holiday into more of a loving month? Like, Chris Kerber was talking about this on the air the other day. He's like, why don't we move it to August? And I kept trying to explain to him. I was like, well, it's, it's, it's a saint's day. It's St. Valentine. So you can't, you can't move it. It's like, you know, I understand that Christmas is not in the most ideal time of the year, but it's also uh, the, the time that Jesus Christ was born, apparently, was December 25th. So you can't really move it. Sure, um, it's yeah. not like, you know, Labor Day or President's Day where uh, you can kind of move it and bounce it around. But, yeah, St. Valentine, uh, that's where we get it from. And, and uh I, I could certainly use a few prayers on St. Valentine's Day because I seem to never do it right. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, Joey. I I just get the connection between martyrdom and being a guy on Valentine's Day. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, isn't that, isn't that perfect? Like, self-sacrifice, man. Like, self-sacrifice. I, I'm at the point now, I, 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 I just give a gift to my wife and I just say, all right, just before you open it, what's wrong with it? What, what, what did I do wrong? What, what did I what did I do? Did I do something wrong now? Are they not red enough? Uh, should I have gotten 13 and not 12? I, I don't know. I don't know, guys. It's an interesting thing, this marriage thing. You know, you're, you you um, we all live in our own quality world, and then all of a sudden you're supposed to coexist with another person who has a completely different quality world, and then trying to make that work, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a son of a gun. Yeah, that's all I can say at this point. Joey, I am intrigued by you. Are a well-read man? Do you read a lot of books? Because you know so many facts about so many things. No, no, no. Not, I, don't, I don't really read. I hate reading. You know that, that's the other thing too. People always talk about, <laughs> oh, you should read more. Reading so reading's terrible. Like, have you ever picked up a novel? Like, I, I'm one page in. I'm um, I tried Harry Potter. Doesn't work. Um, no, I, I don't read. I hate reading. I despise it. Uh, anyone that tells you you should read more, you just tell them that, you know what, you should just mind your own business because reading is not for everybody. And I certainly don't read a lot. I watch a lot of shows with my kids. I love National Geographic magazines. And I think it's just, you know, I think when I'm just a curious guy, when I when I think of something interesting like or something pops up, like we were thinking about this the other day, why do referees drop the puck at the start of the game and the start of the period 
but no, no other time. Like, why don't they have the linesman draft the referee? So I texted Timmy Peel last night, a former referee. He hasn't gotten back to me yet. I'm not, I'm not taking it personal, Timmy, if you're listening out there. Uh, he hasn't gotten back to me about it yet. But, yeah, just, I think just be curious, be interested, be like a kid, and, and hopefully you come up with the right answers. And if anything, learn how to be your, BS your way through it where it sounds right. Okay, so th- with that being the case, why have the Blues won three in a row? Well, I tell you what, there's actually some good stuff about this. Um, you know, I think that, you know, number one, I think that there has been a um, changing of the guards in some some respect, Randy. I think, you know, you lose Vladimir Tarasenko. Yes, you lose a great goal scorer. But I think you also lose maybe a little bit of drama. I think we all kind of knew what happened the last couple of years where, you know, obviously when you ask for a trade and you're in a locker room and players know that you want out, that – that can kind of be a, a, a bad position. It's like going to dinner with a group of friends, and then you find out that one of your friends, couples, uh, you find out the husband didn't want to show up. Well, this kind of puts a sour taste in everyone's mouth, and no one's really comfortable wants to be there. So I think finally with Vladimir Tarasenko moving on, I think it's kind of a breath of fresh air around there. Okay, this is our team now. We're good to go. Everyone that's here wants to be here. Uh, so to me, that, that's been the start. I think the second thing is, you know, when you're down and out like the Blues have been, um, there's only one way to go, and it's up. And that's what happened back in 19 and certainly what's feeling like right now where they're like, okay, we're down, we're out, we're out of position. we got nothing to lose. I think the teams play their best and hockey is played at its finest when you're playing with that we just have nothing to lose mentality because when you have nothing to lose and you're down, what do you do? You lean into each other and you, you, you trust the system because you know that's the only way back out of it. So I think that that's what's happening. I think you know players are starting to check their egos better. They're starting to lean into each other better. You're starting to start to see a much uh, refined team play, starting with the offensive zone. Everything looks very connected, um, formulated, and it's all pre-thought, you can tell. Simple plays are being made, and when you play simple, you play hard, you play physical, I'm telling you guys, you, you can do X's and O's all you want, but this is, this is at the end of the day, it's always a simple game. You out-compete, you play hard, and you play a system. Uh, you're going to give yourself a chance to win every single game. And I know that with everything going on with the trades and all the rumors and murmurs with O'Reilly and Tarasenko, Ivan Barbashev, I was in the locker room spending about a good 20 minutes with Braden Shen, uh, Robert Bortuzzo, and just the guy. We just, we're hamming it up yesterday. You wouldn't think this is going on. I mean, this is a very relaxed, calm hockey team right now that is just really focused on one day at a time. And, and the other thing, too, I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, there is motivation for this team to do well because when you do well right now, you are going to give yourself the best chance to hold on to some of these players that have been like brothers to you. I mean, the reality is this. Ryan O'Reilly is an unrestricted free agent. There's a lot of rumors out there swirling that he's going to go to Toronto or he's going to need to be picked up in Carolina. He's going to be a rental for Jersey, whatever it is, right? Ryan O'Reilly is a heart and soul guy of this team. If they lose him, it is going to be a very, very tough blow for a lot of these players. So for these players, what's the best way to ensure that you're going to keep them? Just win. Just win as best you can because then you're going to give yourself a best chance for Doug Armstrong to see this is a huge piece for our team moving forward and we need to keep him here. Joey V, always great to hear your voice. Always great to get your insight. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. I know you're going to be busy with games tomorrow and Sunday in Ottawa. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Sounds good, Randy. Carrie, you guys have a great weekend now. Thank you, brother. That's Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Great stuff from Joey. Coming up next, we've got The Fight here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. 
Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Caitlin. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Doing well. Are you uh, ready to roll? Thanks, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Happy birthday to the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Despite his undisputed number one status now, things weren't so clear in the lead up to the 1984 draft. Who was drafted number one that year? Was it Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, or Ralph Sampson? Hakeem mm-hmm. like Olajuwon? All right. Yeah. All right. We talked a lot about players getting, quote-unquote, Wally pipped a lot. What team was Wally Pipp playing for when he got replaced because of a headache and he never got his job back? Was it the Cincinnati Reds, the Detroit Tigers, or the New York Yankees? Um, the Yankees. All right, Caitlin. Who is the only Super Bowl-era running back to finish their career Better than Jim Brown's 5.2 yards per carry career average. Is it Mercury Morris, Jamal Charles, or Barry Sanders? Barry Shepard. Sanders. And number four, only one Cardinal has topped Matt Carpenter's 2013 55 double campaign. And this guy did it twice. Who was it? Albert Pujols, Stan Musial, or Joe Medwick? Stan, you say, did you say Stan Musial? Yeah. All right. We will double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Okay. All right, Caitlin, how you feel? Eh. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you listen. It's not as easy as it is when you're listening as it is to actually playing on, on air with us, right? Right. Yeah. It, it generally we we most of our listeners tell uh, tell me that when they when they get done with their portion of the question of the fight, they are generally thinking that it's not as easy. Randy, yeah. say hello to Caitlin. Caitlin, good morning. How are you? Good. Everything's great. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate you getting uh, into the game here today. All right, Randy. You ready? Ready. All right. Here we go. Happy birthday to the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Despite- Freshman, North Carolina. Okay. Well, I, I, is that your final answer? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> despite his undisputed number one status now, things weren't so clear in the lead up to the 1984 draft. Who was drafted number one that year? Okay, the number one pick, I believe, was Akeem. And then Sam Bowie, number two? I'm going to go with Akeem Olajuwon as the top pick there. Randy, we talk a lot about players getting Wally pipped. What team was Wally Pipp playing for when he got Wally pipped when he went out for a headache and never got his job back? Man, you don't you, you don't just leave the lineup for a headache. What if it was a migraine? Doesn't matter. You got Luke Gehrig sitting on the New York Yankees bench there. It was the uh, New York Yankees. That if you, so if you can't see Randy and you got a headache, you're just supposed to go out. I mean, Terrell Davis did play in the Super Bowl with a headache, with yeah. a migraine. But, I mean, that's... Well, what, what happened? Here's the thing. You had a headache. What happened? You lost your job. <laughs> yeah, 2,130 days later. Yeah. <laughs> you say, oh, man, I shouldn't have taken that day off. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that don't take days yeah. off because they know it's 
Everybody waiting on waiting on them to take their position. Uh, why do you think I never take? Uh, I, I guess I am going to take vacation. <laughs> who is the only? Here we go, Randy. Who is the only Super Bowl era running back to finish their career better than Jim Brown's five point two yards per carry career average? Running back, I believe. I believe it was Barry Sanders, but I'm going to go with a lifeline. Mercury Morris, no. Jamal Charles, Maybe. or Barry Sanders. Jamal Charles also had a really good uh, YPC. I think I'm actually going to switch from Barry Sanders to Jamal Charles. Maybe a mistake because my my gut told me Barry Sanders, but I'm going to go with Jamal Charles. Right, Randy, and only one Cardinal has topped Matt Carpenter's 2013-55 double campaign, and this guy did it twice. Who was it? Well, I know that uh, he, Carpenter, eclipsed Stan the Man for left-handed hitters. The logical choice here would be Joe Medwick. But there's still Rogers Hornsby. So I'm going to say it's one of those two. But I think I'm going to go with uh, probably a big mistake here. You know what? I'm going to switch again. I'm going to go from Ducky Medwick to the Raja, Rogers Hornsby. We have a winner of today's fight. Is it Kalen who came in and said, listen, you guys don't usually have a lot of girl fighters. Let me get a shot at Randy. Let me get a shot at the king. Was Kalen able to top Randy or does Randy go into the weekend a winner of the fight again? It was a close one today. Is Randy a loser or a winner? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. We just win, baby. So close, Caitlin. Randy beat you three to two. It's not often that he only beats him by one when he does. So that's a good performance today, Caitlin. But again, I'm sorry. Randy wins this round of the fight. And you were you were close. Listen, not not a lot. There's a lot of listeners who come in here, maybe get one, maybe get zero, right? So so two is not a bad performance. It was a tough one. Randy only got three. Let's go through all those answers really quickly. To the GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. It was gonna be who he hit the game winner against in the nineteen eighty two NCAA championship game. It was of course Georgetown. But we changed it up to who was the number one pick over him in the nineteen eighty four draft. Sam Bowie went number two. Akeem Olajuwon went number one. You both got that one right. We talk about a lot of players getting Wally Pipped. When did Wally Pipped get well? Wally Pipped. It was with the new New York Yankees and Lou Gehrig took over. You both got that right. And, and then, ironically, Lou Gehrig has to find out that there's a disease named after him. Oh, I, I don't, I, that's not how that worked either, is it? Well, Mr. Gehrig, you have Lou Gehrig's disease. That's, I, I think I, I think it was named that after oh, Lou Gehrig. Horrible. Got Never mind. Horrible. Disease. Who is the only Super Bowl era running back to finish their career better than Jim Brown's 5.2 yards per carry career average? This was the the changer. Your change of your thought process. Jamal Charles finished with a 5.4 career average to be the only one better than uh Jim Brown, by the way, Nick Chubb currently tied with Jim Brown at 5.2. He's active, though. And only one Cardinal has topped Matt Carpenter's 2013-55 double campaign. He did it twice, and it was, in fact, Joe Ducky Medwick who did it twice, not 
not unfortunately Stan Musial or Rogers Hornsby. And a 3-2 win for Randy in the fight again. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Caitlin with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are just weeks away from the debut of St. Louis City SC. We're going to talk to Lutz Fahnensteel about how his team's looking next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It has been a long time, but one week from tomorrow, St. Louis City SC will open up their inaugural season. It'll be the 25th of February at Austin. St. Louis City SC taking on Austin. And we head right now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And a guy who's been working hard at putting St. Louis City SC together is their sporting director, Lutz Fondensteel. He's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Super Bowl champion, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Lutz, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Very well. What about you guys? We're, we're doing well, and we're really excited. And uh, I, I know the whole city is excited about one week from tomorrow. Let's start with training camp. How has everything gone with uh, training camp for St. Louis City SC? Yeah, you know, it was a, a, long, a long month. Uh, I mean, we had uh, Port Lauderdale uh, in January and now Coachello uh, in California the last 10 days. So I think... Uh, Definitely a great way to um, to to have great weather condition, great fields, also uh, great test games, and um, I think we used that time very well to, yeah, beef up the competition within the squad, but also work a lot on team building. That the boys spending time together, get to know each other on and off the field, and uh, one more game to go tomorrow against uh, Atlanta, uh, our last preseason game, and then I think uh, we all very excited, just as you. Uh, when we finally taking the field against Austin. Hey, Lutz, every time we have you on, I have the urge to say, Lutz. <laughs> so, and we want to introduce you that way, but I want to make sure you're okay with it before we decide to do that. You can do whatever you want. My name, my name, my family name is that long. I mean, it got, it got uh, pronounced all over the world in 600 million different kind of versions. So if you call me Lutz, I'm very happy about that. Right. <laughs> we will do that from now on. Hey, Lutz, we were, we were listening to you uh, talk about the team and, and the style of play and, and basically saying that you're, you're, the style of play is starting to come together. What are you seeing from your guys and, and what exactly is that style of play that, that you're seeing from them? Yeah, first I have to say, you know, it was great that we had the six months extra with already 12 players uh, who were here in June last year. So we had already all the boys uh, chilling together in that style of playing, that philosophy. So it made that uh, time to integrate all the other players a little bit quicker because we had a core group to understand that. So what is the style? I mean, it's it's very high intensity. It's lots of running, lots of sprinting. It's when it comes to a physicality, much more demanding than just passing the ball and trying to have a lot of, uh, I would call it, possession. I think uh, we want to press high, we want to counter-press. I mean, press high means uh, be as aggressive as possible in the opposition half and counter-press, get the ball quickly back as possible, also high up. I would control, call it actually a controlled chaos, a planned chaos, which makes it very difficult for the opponent to have time on the ball and uh, playing their game. So we want to be proactive. We want to be on the front foot. We want to defend forward. And it's all based on a very positive, nice aggression, which I think goes very well with the the Midwest mentality. Uh, And I think people will 
really, really love it over there in City Park once we actually have our first home game. Lutz Fahnensteel, Sporting Director for St. Louis City SC with us on 101 ESPN. And Lutz, you've been very consistent in saying that building this team is going to be a process. It's not going to be an event where all of a sudden you walk out and you win a championship in your first year. But that being said, has this camp changed your mind at all about how good this team can be? No, not at all. Because I think, you know, we always need to put in perspective what is preseason and how you can rate the preseason game. What does it really mean? I mean, we're getting as many players possible on the field. Everybody needs to get a fair amount of minutes. There is a lot of learning. There's a learning curve on how we actually do trigger our, our, our defensive moments, how we have our combination play. So, so you saw very, very good signs and you and definitely we can be very positive what happened so far. But beating Miami 4-0 in preseason doesn't really mean anything. And uh, in the end of the day, it all counts once the season starts. So, you know, expectations, I know expectations are automatically high in St. Louis because it's the soccer capital in the United States of America. But we also have to be realistic. And a nice European saying, Rome was not built within one day. It takes some time. So I believe believe, uh, it's the same here. We want to have... very consistently good soccer team here in St. Louis over many years to come. We don't need to have in the first year that success that we're winning three titles and then basically nothing happens anymore. I think uh, sustainable building up a force in the United States soccer landscape, that is what we want to do. And having said that, uh, that doesn't mean that we will be a pushover or we will be an expansion team which gets kicked around every weekend this season. That I am pretty confident that that will not be the case because we, we can compete. We did compete already. We're working hard and we will leave every single time 110% on that field. And I think we will get rewarded for that in the end of the day. If you ask me about playoffs or about a certain position or a number of points, I, I don't think uh, that would be, uh, I could give you a good answer about that one yet. But I am definitely very, very confident that we are ready to compete against any team in the country. Hey, Luz, does it feel like surreal that you all are, are about a week away knowing how far you've come from in this process and, and it's really right around the corner? Yeah, you know, I'm nearly here now over two and a half years. Uh, basically, when I came, there was a, a motorway ramp where I'm sitting right now on the training facility. There was a, a, big, a big hole over there where the stadium is to mm. my left side. And I didn't have a ball. I didn't have a player. <laughs> I had a very great ownership, which uh, we had good discussions and we built everything from scratch. Started with the community and now having also built a great academy system, having lots of youngsters. Three academy players already managed to break into that first team, being with the camps and, and getting minutes there, which shows what potential we have here. So I think it's always the bigger picture, not just what happens every Saturday with the first team. I think we want to build a club which is successful there. So seeing all that now after a little bit more than two and a half years where we started and where we are right now, it definitely gives me uh, very positive vibes. It also makes me a little bit emotional uh, once at times because it was, uh, you know, you couldn't expect, for example, last season to win with the next pro straight away the Western Conference, which was a brilliant success and uh, I would say something which will stick in the mind for people forever in the first season. But now it's up for us to prove ourselves with the big boys in the MLS against uh, world stars, against teams which are in that system since many, many years. And, you know, 
I would say we are super motivated. We are working really hard since the day since day one. All the players who came in, they're putting in the extra effort, and that's all we can ask for. And uh, yeah. We are ready to rumble, guys. I <laughs> love it. Hey, Lutz, one last thing from me. For people that are going to be tuned in on Apple TV next week for the, the inaugural game against Austin FC, give us a player or two to keep an eye on. Who who are the feature players for St. Louis City SC? You know, I uh, I had a, I mean, I'm sure, and you know that. I mean, I had, I had a few talks about that before that I always say, in America, for some reason, everybody talks about the DPs, the designated players. So that's two guys or three guys who can make the difference to earning millions of dollars and other the big boo-boos out there. Uh, we decided we have a designated team. Every player is the same. We want to come over a team effort. And looking at that preseason we had, it doesn't matter if it's a 17-year-old or a 29-year-old. Everybody put the same effort in. So we do have a lot of exciting players. We come over the team effort. So on purpose, I don't give you any individual names Come out there, check it out. Pick your favorite player yourself, and that is what we want to be. We want we are we are St. Louis as City as a club, not as a few individuals. And that is how we want to see in the community, also how we want to see in the media. So we are a club, we are a team. We are unit, and that's how we're going to approach it. I love it. Designated team. That's a great approach to take, and we're excited about it. We're excited about seeing the product that you're going to have. Have a great week leading up to the inaugural game, and we, I'm sure we'll talk very soon, Lutz. We appreciate your time, as always. Thanks so much. Have a Lutz. Nice <laughs> take care. That's uh, Lutz Fonenstiel. He's the sporting director for St. Louis, St. Louis City SC. He is, uh, he's fun. He's great. And the team is going to be fun. The, the club? Club, club is going to be fun. Club? Yeah. Our, our side. Our side is going to be fun. Squad? Oh, our side. Our side, our side right? Side, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I know. The one, the one that keeps getting me is I keep wanting to say practice, but they don't practice. What do they do? Train. They train. Training. Ah. Get ready for training. Hmm. Yesterday, we got the sad news that Cardinal Hall of Famer Tim McCarver had passed away. Coming up, we're going to talk to our friend, Dan McLaughlin, who had a chance over the years to work with Tim a lot. And Danny's got some great uh, Tim McCarver stories. Danny Mac in studio next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. From my particular standpoint, love is a two way street. And starting with the Cardinals in 1959, 10 days out of high school, and uh, and lasting with the Cardinals an extra stint in 1973 and 74, and then retiring in 1980 and going into the broadcast business and doing a lot of network games, 18 years with Joe Buck. I work with Jack Buck, uh, uh, Keith Jackson. uh, Brings a smile to my face when I think of him, one of the great guys in the history of the game and certainly announcing, and then back with Dan. I didn't know Dan when we first started broadcasting five years ago. I know him very well right now, and he's one of my best friends. And, uh, and I'm not being small C or emo- too overly emotional, but I got two guys right here who are two of my best friends in life, 
and I love the fact that uh, that I've come full circle with the Cardinals. Thank you. That's the late, great Tim McCarver, who was appearing at a uh, Speakers Series event with Bob Gibson and Dan McLaughlin a few years ago. Uh, We lost Tim McCarver yesterday at the age of 81, and uh, Tim mentioned he loved Dan McLaughlin, who joins us in studio. And if you know this show, you know that I love Dan McLaughlin, one of my best friends in life, and uh, it's great to have Dan. Uh, I'm sitting right now watching Dan McLaughlin behind a microphone. And it's awesome. It's great. Good feels, to see you. It feels good. Uh, <laughs> it's great to be here. Um, it's great to be back on the air. I'm doing a lot of stuff with uh, my podcast and my website coming up. Um, thanks for having me in here. I uh, Obviously, so much has happened for me in the last couple of months. And um, emotional, really, to be back and to be talking to you guys. And I uh, seeing Carrie, I don't want to mess with him. My <laughs> God, you can just mess somebody up. I mean, I don't, I don't want to mess that up. But uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me, Randy, over the years and Carrie. And, and uh, I would hear from people. I, I didn't listen to a lot of talk radio. I'll be honest with you. In the last couple of months, what I do, I listen to books on tape. So I listen to a lot of uh, books. I, I just finished a Tiger uh, book the one that Armin Katayan did. I did the Phil Mickelson book. I'm reading uh, reading and listening to Michael Phelps's. But the point of my story, um, and by the way, I found out I have ADD too and ADHD, so I'm all over the place. Anyway, the, the point of my story is I heard you guys were uh, very complimentary to me and, and I appreciate it. And you know, my, my statement today is, because I know you're going to ask me about mm-hmm. it, it's the elephant in the room, so to speak, is I'm sorry. You know, I, I messed up. I made a, a terrible mistake, um, and I'm sorry. And I, I truly am sorry. I'm sorry that this has happened. Never wanted to be put in that position. Never wanted to put other people in that position. And um, and now it's time to move forward in my life, and that's what I'm going to do. And you have a very eloquent ex- explanation of everything that went on on social media. It's but everywhere. No a lot, uh, and you, you write that, you know, and you say it multiple times. And if people haven't read Dan's uh his story on social media. Make sure that you do. All right. Let- well, one of the things I want to say to yeah. Randy is that there are no excuses. Again, I do apologize. I am sorry that this has happened. Um, and it's hard to say that because I, 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 I thought I'd be in that position for 25 more years. You know, I thought I'd retire in that chair and I, I loved what I did. I loved broadcasting Cardinal baseball um, growing up here, and it's a dream job, and I lost it. So that's very tough on me, um, but I put myself in that position. For anybody that's listening right now, if you have not read what I put out, and again, it's not an excuse. It's not. Uh, there there are no excuses. Uh, I take full accountability in what's taken place, but I do suffer from severe depression, um, severe anxiety, and mental health issues. And if I would have gotten help, and I did previous few years ago, a couple of separate times, and I would hit a spot that would get really uncomfortable in my personal life and some things that happened in my, my childhood and as a young man. And uh, if I would have continued with the therapy I was getting, I'm not having this conversation with you. So I would implore anybody that's listening uh, to, the, to the radio right now, if you know somebody that deals with alcohol, drug abuse, or has mental health issues, help them. Approach them. Uh, tell them to get the necessary help. Drag them there. 
I don't care what you got to do, but address the issue. And the issue is is tougher for whatever reason, I guess, on, on men because we feel like we can yeah. handle it. And power we're, through. We're, yeah, we're going to power through. And and I thought I could handle it, and I couldn't. And it's cost me uh, dearly. Um, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My thank God to my wife. Thank God to my my family. They've stuck with me, and I put people in a terrible spot. And I'm. I feel awful about it, but as I'm going to say here today, I'm not going to go away. Um, this is what I do. This is what I love. I have a passion for broadcasting, and uh, I don't know what the next steps in my life are going to be outside of being here with you guys for the next 15, 20 minutes or whatever it's going to be. And then uh, i got to move on with my life, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, uh, Danny, one thing that I always... You are seriously intimidating. <laughs> Jesus. One thing that I, I've learned as, as men, we, we do withhold things and we do internalize things and we don't tend to talk because I know as a child I was taught, you know, boys don't cry. Boys, right. we fight through it. And really it's a, it's a detriment to us becoming grown men and how we go about our day to day. And so you spoke to it just being able to open up and talk about the things that you've been through. One thing that I've also learned is sometimes you have to give yourself a little grace. We all make mistakes. We all do things that we look back and say, what the hell? Why the hell did I do that? But at the end of the day, we have to give ourselves grace because we we we, we tend to beat ourselves up and are so harsh and so hard on ourselves. So I've been pretty hard on myself, I yeah, can tell you that. Give, in the last your, few so, years. so that's why I give yourself some grace well, and allow yourself to understand it was a mistake, but at the same time, we all falter we all make mistakes and I told you off air I think it's going to be a testimony that eventually when when things start turning up and looking up you'll be able to talk about exactly what took place and how to prevent someone else from maybe making the same mistakes or or, or going down the same path and changing others lives as well as you know having your life going in a direction where you're you're truly pleased with with what you've done and I I think it's going to be a, a hell of a story to be able to talk about but for me just grace, giving ourselves grace and not because the world going to beat the hell out of us. Right. Yeah. And and if we're beating the hell out of us, if we're helping them, if we're assisting, it, it, it's even harder to to pick ourselves up day to day. So that's my take. We love you. We we I are I'm glad that you are here. Uh, I gave you a hug when you came in. I, I just hold you a little bit longer. I noticed. We are happy to see you. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to hear you because uh, I've I'm, I'm been a Cardinal fan for as long as I can remember. And yeah. your voice is one that I always remember associated with Cardinal baseball. So thank I, you. I appreciate that. I uh yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk out of here with my head held up high, and I walked in with my head held up high. And one of the things that if, if somebody reads that letter, I, I can't tell you, I, I guess on Twitter it's gotten like 1.2 or 1.3 million views. Mm -hmm. And I've heard from people nationwide, people I don't know, some people I do know. Um, and amazingly, people that I know that I thought were not dealing with the issues that I have dealt with and am dealing with, and said, thank you for doing this because I'm going to get help. Uh, I did have a gentleman reach out to me and uh, not somebody I knew and said, I read the letter and I put down the gun because I was getting ready to do something to myself. Wow. So it, I, I wrote that with the idea of this just helps one person, then it's worth putting out my story and my vulnerabilities and really my, I'm embarrassed, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hard situation to deal with when you talk about the things that you deal with. You go to dark places. I've been there. Trust me. Mm -hmm. um, and so for, for me, if I can help some people along the way, then maybe there is some type of silver lining in what, what took place on that 
for me personally awful evening it was the early evening hours of a sunday december 4th and it's changed the uh, trajectory of my life but you're still a great guy and just if we look at the text line right now you are so beloved in this town and that's not going away people love dan mclaughlin well i'm gonna dive into cheer i was i dove into charity for as much as i could and i think randy you and i knew this being around jack buck mm-hmm. i mean we we saw it and carrie you grew up and saw it probably from the outside looking mm-hmm. in we worked with jack so we saw it randy more so than me um working at KMOX. but you saw the platform that you have and the difference that you can truly make and so i i always felt and it's this is selfish I enjoyed doing charity work because I got more out of it than the people I was helping. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt good when I would do it. It was just one of the things I love doing. So I'm diving into that. Matter of fact, I'm, the NAMI walk is coming up in May. I'm, I'm the chairperson for that. That immediately happened, and that's for fighting mental illness here in St. Louis. It's on the 23rd, I believe, of May. Um, doing my golf tournament, the Special Education Foundation, we've raised over $5 million. I'm going to continue to do that. And countless people have reached out to me to come speak or to MC. I'm going to do all of it because I, I got to stay busy. That's the one thing I'm a little concerned about for me personally is that this spring and this summer, man, if I'm not busy, that ain't a good thing yeah. for old Danny Mac. <laughs> yeah. So I, I better we do some that. things to, to stay busy, yeah. which I will. All right. Uh, we, we were saddened yesterday by the passing of uh, uh, Tim McCarver, who said we heard the, the cut that uh, you guys were best friends. He was one of your best, best friends, and you were one of his. You had you have the great Tim McCarver imitation <laughs> that uh, you, you, you can provide us. I mean, I can say this now, and I thought about should I say it. I'm going to say it anyway, because he said it publicly. But when he told me that on his tombstone, God rest his soul, and I know he's in heaven right now, but <laughs> pitchers did this. That's what he said he was going to put on his tombstone. <laughs> pitchers did this. <laughs> he's the best, great. man. Great. And you know, Dan, he, if he was here, he'd be laughing, yep. so he would not take yep. offense to that. He loved doing games in Wrigley Field, didn't he? He loved it, and he talked about – the dirt, and he talked about the dirt at uh, Dodger Stadium. He said, when you grab the dirt at Wrigley, there's just, I got goosebumps thinking, he said, there's just something different. Hmm. And when you do a day game at Wrigley around 4, 4.30, the birds come in, and we had a conversation. It's still, people ask me all the time, like, and I can't remember what we were talking about. Like, we were talking about what's the fastest animal or something, and he's like, it's got to be the bird. And I'm like, no, there's a cheetah. The cheetahs really go fast, Tim. No. And the play-by-play is there's none. It's not existent. And for two innings, we're talking about what the fastest animal is in the world. But that was at Wrigley Field. I, I had so much fun with Tim, and he lived life really to the fullest. He really did. I mean, he had a place out in Napa Valley because he loved to drink wine. So he would be out there, and he had a place in Napa. Then he had his place in Sarasota, Florida. And he was, and I'm not sure if he had just moved in or was going to move in next week. We actually were going to get together next week. Oh, wow. He was moving back to Memphis. So he was going to, you know, where it all began for him in Memphis, Tennessee, as a kid that grew up loving the Cardinals and then eventually got to play for him and such a, a iconic name for iconic teams. You think about, too, with him on the field, he caught the greatest right-hander, maybe. Mm-hmm. Big case, Bob Gibson, the best mm-hmm. ever. Yep. 
and the best lefty ever, right. Steve Carlton, and he's got the most starts with those guys of anybody amazing. else. Amazing. We know that uh, there's a lot more. You've got memories with Ben Fred, right, on uh, scoopswithdannymack.com. Do. do you guys have something coming up right now? And We're going to talk to Robert Thomas. Do you want me to come back after that? Yeah, that'd be great. We'd All love right, it. I'll hang okay. out. We're going to talk to Robert Thomas, and then Dan will be back with more Tim McCarver memories on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas scores! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Robert Thomas, Blues Center, joins us here on the show. Robert, always good to talk to you, especially in the midst of a three-game winning streak. Congratulations. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you. Hey, Robert, what what is actually actually going on? You all have 16 goals in the last three games. What, is, what has been the turnaround? What did you all do over the break that, that allowed you all to come out on fire like this? Yeah, I think it was a nice reset for all of us. Um, obviously, first half of the year didn't go the way we all wanted it to, and uh, I think the break gave us a little bit of a reset. We changed a couple of things, and uh, yeah, I think we came out flying, and that's exactly what we needed to do. Is there a different vibe in the dressing room? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's some confidence. We're starting to build like a little bit of swagger um, that we've had in years past, and uh, I think it's really important, and you doing that? We got a couple big games coming up. Hey, is there anything in particular? Uh, Baruby talked about the forechecking. You all playing a, a little bit of a different style. I guess the style that he's been uh, requesting pretty much all season. I'm seeing more physicality from the third and fourth line. Are, are you guys just really locking into the details, and and that's what's been the change since you since you got out of the break? Yeah, there's there's a couple systems changes like the forecheck and. Uh, I think that kind of helped our team, uh, you know, play as a unit of five out there and be connected. And uh, like I was saying earlier, that confidence and that swagger that comes with, uh, you know, playing that right way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to be around and, and it's a lot of fun to play like that. Now, Robert, I, I've been on teams that struggled, you know, and, and midway through the season, we, we thought, well, playoffs aren't really a possibility. But then you start to get hot. Is that something that you all have, have maybe started to discuss? You know, teams and people have ridden you off, maybe feeling like the, the, the playoffs weren't going to happen. But I'm sure every man in that locker room still feels like there's a possibility to make the playoffs and actually win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, um, that, that feeling never went away in our room. Um, you know, there's always that confidence. We've done it before. Why not do it again? And, um, you know, we knew coming out of the break, if we strung together a couple wins right away, we're right back in the hunt. And that's what we've done so far. And, um, yeah, like I was saying, we have a couple of big games, Colorado on Saturday. And uh, that's a huge game for us. And you just got to keep on building from there. Robert Thomas is with us on 101 ESPN. I have one more hockey question, and that's in regard to your teammate Jordan Cairo, and I think you guys are going to be linked. We've talked in the media always about Thomas and Cairo, Cairo and Thomas, and you signed the contracts together last summer, and here's Jordan now with 53 points in 51 games, another goal last night. He gets to 25. How much fun is it for you, with him being your buddy, watching his game grow the way it has? 
yeah, I think he, he's worked hard and grown his game in a lot of areas. Um, I mean, he's obviously always been a talented scorer and playmaker, and, uh, you know, he's got that great speed, and uh, I think he's really working hard to, to you know, build one way, and he's still, he's still got to keep working on it. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to see someone that, you know, I played against him in junior, played with him at the World Juniors, and, uh, you know, been close to him ever since. And, um, you know, you love seeing that, and you love to be able to play with uh, some of your good buddies. Hey, Robert, earlier this year, you talked about passing the puck to Buchnevich, how he didn't necessarily need it to be flat. Now, I think it was you that passed it to him the other day, last night, and he had a shot, but he, he missed it. Do you give him crap when, when, <laughs> when you pass him a perfect pass? He's got an open net, and he just he misses, he whiffs on it. Do you, do you say so? Hey, hey, what are you doing, man? <laughs> no, uh, he probably told me I needed a better pass. So. <laughs> Uh, no, it's all good. I don't know if you ever, if if I've told this story to you, but one time Brett Hall made a pass in practice to Basil McRae. Basil McRae was an enforcer. He was a tough guy. And uh, so uh, Hully makes a pass right on the stick to McRae in practice, and uh, Basil fumbles it, and Hully says, what part of the tape do you want the pass on? It was like, <laughs> perfect. So that's what you got to do. Hey, hey, what part of the tape do you want it on? <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Well, he's a good enough player. He can handle any grenade pass that can throw up. Hey, Robert, this will tell us something. What did you think of that call at the end of the Super Bowl, the uh, the holding call? Uh, um, well, I, I did want the Chiefs to win, so uh, no complaints there. It's but I think it was such a, such a great game and uh, kind of deflated the game after the, after the flag was thrown. But, um, yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan, so... Uh, you know, I was happy about the win. Now, if I remember correctly, the Super Bowl party was at your house, correct? Robert? You got, got us, Robert? Hello. Sorry, yeah. I lost you there. I, I said, if, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, the Super Bowl party was at your house, correct? Yeah, yeah, so, I did throw the Super Bowl party. So there was a commercial. I don't know if you all caught it, the Tubi commercial that seemed like the entire TV had changed channels. Did everyone look at you and try to figure out what the hell is going on in your house? Yeah, I, I was getting yelled at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that I think that commercial got everyone. Yeah, it was great. What was the most popular food? I'm sure that you had it catered. So what did the Blues partake of most and enjoy the most in terms of Super Bowl food? Um, I would say, I'd say sushi's always a big hit. Um, that, that was big. And then, uh, some like little chicken bites and, and ribs, uh, were also big hits. All right. That's, that's the way a Super Bowl party is supposed to be. Okay. You get the team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year in Colorado, and you guys always compete well against the Avalanche. And then you have to go to Ottawa. Uh, I know you like playing in Toronto. Do you, is it the same for you going into Ottawa, Ontario? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of family that's kind of obviously in Toronto and as well as the East Coast, so uh, it's a time that they all meet up and I get to see them all. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty similar uh, going to Ottawa. I always love being up around the hometown. Well, we hope you do well for them and do, do well tomorrow. Have a great weekend, Robert. Thanks so much for the time. And hopefully we'll be able to connect in person next week. We're going to try to get over to Centene and, and visit with you in our little studio over there, okay? All right, sounds good. Thanks, Thanks, Robert. See you later.
That's our friend Robert Thomas joining us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack will return more memories of Tim McCarver next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Now how in the world would the birds know they're starting to circle around Wrigley? We've talked about that before, have we not? Well, it's the eighth inning, and it's coming up on, you know, four, four-and-a-half-hour game, where some games could be two-and-a-half hours, and they know the eighth yeah, inning. Yeah, but the birds know better about rain delays and rain than we do. They can sense it. I mean, you got to understand. You know that. I don't care about the rain delay. I'm talking about how they know in the eighth inning to come around because here. Because they know it's been a long game. <laughs> <laughs> the, the late, great Tim McCarver with Danny um, Mack at Wrigley awesome. Field. Uh, so T- Tim McCarver was a great Cardinal, Cardinal Hall of Famer, played 10 seasons with the Cardinals, 10 seasons over 11 years, won a couple of, uh, of world championships, and then in 1970... And then I was traded in a in a an epic deal with Kurt Flood, uh, and of course Kurt uh, uh, elected not to go, and uh, and history was in the making. It went to the Supreme Court, and six years later, free agency hit. Um, and then, of course, I, uh, I worked a lot of postseason play for the networks. I worked with Joe Buck for 18 years. And um, I did some Cardinal uh, World Series games. The most iconic that I can remember was game six of the 2011 season. And I'm back with the Cardinals, so I've come full circle. And um, and being voted into the Hall of Fame means everything to me uh, because it, it it really does. Obviously, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Ford Frick Award winner as a broadcaster, and, and in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and Danny Mack is back with us. And Dan, Tim took, took so much pride in being a Cardinal Hall of Famer. He really did. It was meaningful for him. And as he said, and he said that multiple times in that evening that we did, and that was with Bob Gibson. But he said, "I've come full circle." You know, he, he wound up coming back to the Cardinals after that, what he spoke of there with the, the whole situation with Kurt Flood. But he would wind up coming back, I think it was in, Randy, you would know this, I think 74, mm-hmm. is that right? Right. And uh, what was amazing about Tim, for me, from the player's perspective, and I'm sure we'll get into the broadcasting perspective here, he began as a 17-year-old in 1959 and finished in 1980. So technically, he spanned four decades. Amazing. That is amazing. And he was a very good player. And the broadcaster, though, is what what I think made him great as a broadcaster is that, and I would tell a guy like Kerry, is that if you're going to get in the booth and you're going to do games, when your playing career is over, as harsh as this may sound, it's over. You can draw on those experiences because I didn't play at that level. Randy didn't. Rock didn't. But yet you're able to draw on those experiences to hopefully explain to the viewer, the listener of what it's like to be down there. But the way that Tim approached it is that he did that, but yet looked at, okay, that's one chapter of my life that's over being a player. Right. I got it's it's done, and now I've got to be the best broadcaster I can be. And he dove in, you know, head first with that. He literally, by the way, I think you'll appreciate this more than Randy and I and Rock. 
he literally was interviewing guys in 1980 in his uniform. Mm-hmm. He was part mm-hmm. of the broadcast crew of the Phillies yeah. and would go down in uniform and do post-game interviews. So he's here he is. It could be a tough game, and he's going over to Randy, who's playing for the Cardinals, and say, hey, you got a few minutes for my uh, post-game <laughs> yeah. show. Isn't that amazing? In uniform, as an active player wow. doing that. It was incredible. Working on his second career before he got into exactly. it. Exactly. Hey, hey, we. Um, I often hear, heard Tim McCarver talk about his relationship with Bob Gibson. Do you have any stories that he would share that, that maybe we don't know about their relationship and their time together? Well, I think the amazing thing is, is that you have Bob Gibson, an African-American from the projects of Omaha, and you have Tim McCarver from Memphis, Tennessee, mm. in the South, to an extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these two guys in that day and age, not pretty right. in our country's right. history, um, becoming best of friends. Mm. And they were lifelong friends, and they truly were best of friends. I mean, they, uh, hell, I remember being in Tim's car, and I said, man, this is a really nice car. And he said, yeah, I just bought it from Gibson. <laughs> I mean, so they, they were really, really close and spoke all the time on the phone they would do trips together with their families um and i I think my favorite line and people have heard it many many times but you know tim would come out to the mound and he'd say the only thing you know about pitching bob would say this the only thing you know about pitching is that you can't hit it now get back get your ass back behind the plate and that's true Yeah. yeah did he did you ever talk to him about the Deion sanders incident I have waited till today. I'll tell you about it. Okay. Uh, I I wanted to wait until Tim, you know, gave me his blessing to do this, or in this case, he's he's up in heaven. Yes. Uh, I was at dinner with Tim McCarver when he got a call from ESPN for the 30 for 30 on Deion Sanders. He asked me, should I do it? I said, yes. I said, I think you need to do it. I said, it'll be your side of the story that you want out. It's your perspective. You tell the producer, I will do this, but you better air what I say. Mm-hmm. And you, if, you want, if you're going to do it, you better air it. And I, I want to see what you, if you cut out something, I want to see it. And I want to just give background here, and you can fill in yeah. any blanks, but just quickly, uh, Tim was critical of Deion Sanders during the World Series. The Braves win the World Series, correct? So he, and he's he, was doing, a, he was a two-way player at that yeah, time. Yeah, and, and, and so he's going back and forth from the Falcons to the Atlanta Braves. And they win the World Series. Post, Tim's doing post-game interviews down in the locker room. Well, let's also game. say this, too. Tim had been critical of Deion leaving the Braves yeah. in postseason play exactly. to go play a regular yeah. season game with the Falcons. Right. And so during the post-game interviews... Deion Sanders pours a bucket of ice water over the head of Tim McCarver. Okay, so yes. take it from there. And so we're at dinner, and I'll never forget it. We're, we're at dinner in New York, and he got the call. He took the call. He said, do you think I should? He, he goes, I need advice. And I, him asking me for advice, he said, do you think I should do it? I said, I, I do. Put your story out there of what you want to say about this incident, which is still very famous in broadcasting mm-hmm. history and certainly post-game celebration history, along with Garrett Stevenson and myself. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Anyway, uh, yeah. I digress. Um, we got one great bleeping catcher. Anyway, so we're on live TV. Yes, we are, Garrett. Thank you. Joe Buck then said, don't worry, it's cable. Anyway, um, so so I said to Tim, you should do it. And he goes, I'm going to think about it. Yeah, I think I'm going to think about it. Uh-huh. He goes, you know what? Bleep him. I ain't doing it. Mm. He said, that's it. I said, I think you're making a mistake because it's going to be addressed in the 30 for 30, and this is your chance to get yeah. what you want to say about it. And he said, you know what? I have i don't want to give any, any more attention to it. And that was it. Hmm. 
interesting, isn't it? That is an interesting yeah. approach, and good for Tim, because why lend more credence to what Deion Sanders did? Why make it relevant again so many years See, after it occurred? And Tim and I actually had a, at that dinner disagreed on what he said. He said, I, I think he was being selfish. You know, he should have been dedicated to the Braves. Mm-hmm. And I said, maybe it's the youth in me saying this as opposed to what, you know, and Tim's a baseball guy, obviously. Yeah. But I, I said, I, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's cool that a guy is, is playing two sports and is good enough to do that. I mean, my God, he's the point oh 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 one percent of the world that can right. do that. Make it in two sports, and then to have. Mm-hmm. But I think though, for context though, you have to understand too that Nike was really pushing this behind him, mm-hmm. and it was a very much a. Uh, what's the the right way to put it? But he was putting the brand of the Dion brand and Nike and all those things that he was associated with maybe ahead of winning a World Series. And, I guess. And Tim I mean, was old school. Tim, right? yeah. Tim, Tim was old school. So he wanted that commitment to his sport. And, and I get it from both of their perspectives. I get it from Dion's. I don't get pouring ice water over Tim McCarver's head. That, no, I th- think that's that was, inexcusable. That's inexcusable. I think that part of it is is the part that if I if Deion Sanders was here, I would say to him, yeah, I'd have no problem just saying, hey, I, I understand where you're coming from. Matter of fact, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's cool that you're doing it. I just don't think you should have made a spectacle of Tim McCarver. He probably, if he were able to do it again, he probably wouldn't have reacted in that way. Do you know Dion? Uh, I don't know him. Okay. I, I've never met him, but I, I would assume that you know, as we get older, we we gain sure. more wisdom and we realize, man, maybe I shouldn't have done that in that particular manner because it was a it was a big deal. I mean, as a as a young African American kid growing up, young black kid watching him play football and baseball at the highest level, pretty awesome. was was a dream. Yes. Like you, you had never witnessed it to that level and it was it was exciting to watch him be able to do that and I remember vividly that interaction with those two oh, yeah. you know in the clubhouse after the after the world series had had finished up I uh yeah I think I would say to him though if he was sitting here I I'm with you but I just didn't like the manner in which yeah, you, you did yeah. that with McCarver and Tim McCarver I'll tell you what and I didn't. I only knew him totally as an acquaintance, you, you just from coming him, into Randy. the booth. But he lived life. You know, eighty-one years. He he lived his life. He he had a great life. He he had a wonderful life and a ton of friends. And the the amazing thing about him in broadcasting with him is that his memory was photographic too. So he would say, "I'll never forget. It was July eighth of '76, and we were in Montreal. And we were doing, you know, like what in the seventh <laughs> inning." And I would go back on Baseball Reference and look at to see if it, yeah. this was right. Like, did you have the year right? Did you have the game right? Did he? He was a hundred percent right wow. every time, mm-hmm. every time. And I think the thing that made him great, and there'll never be another Tim McCarver, in my opinion, in baseball, is that in the ultimate second guessing sport, he was a first guesser. And that's what I loved, and he taught me a great a great lesson. Because um, I did the games, I tried to do them a little bit differently, where I'm managing along with Mike Schilt or Ollie or the opposing manager, and say, "Here are the options. Maybe he's going to do this. You know, right. that's what we're supposed to do." But Tim would say, "I would not do it. No," and he'd slam his hand <laughs> down on the desk. You'd hear it. He'd say, "I wouldn't do that. He's got to go with this guy, and this is why I do it." And I, I just think that when you look at how sports are laid out now, when's the last time you heard an analyst be a first guesser? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking him. I mean, that's just the way it's done now. You don't have that. And right. he was well, 
he did not care what you thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. he didn't care. He was. He said, "Look, I'm paid to give my opinion. This is my opinion, and it's certainly an educated opinion based on what he went with with the Cardinals and coming through with George Kissel and the the, the way you run bases, the way you set a defense, all those things, the baseball one two threes of of how you play the game. There was nobody that knew the game better inside and out." The game changed, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying the basics of the game than Tim McCarver, and, and he first guessed. And here's the other thing, Kerry, I think that you would appreciate more than the, what we do. If I said something that could have been taken the wrong way by a player or they heard from their girlfriend or their wife mm-hmm. or both, um, <laughs> and they'd say, whatever, whatever. You know, and people are people. And they say, you know, hey, Danny Mac said this. I, I would try to be down in the clubhouse the next day mm-hmm. and just show my face. And right. if you got a problem as a player, I'm here. Right. You want to take it out on me? Go ahead. I mean, I've had plenty of those. I mm-hmm. mean, where they, they didn't like something I said. Tim was just so blunt, honest about his opinions that sometimes it would come across as being really rough. And he yeah. didn't mean to. But that's the way that he would do it. And at least he would show up the next day and be in the clubhouse. Yeah. And as a player, I, I know you'd respect that. You you definitely do. Someone that can really stand on what they said. And yeah. for me, doing this, and when I when we have to talk about players not performing well, it's almost like a coach. It, I look at it and present it as how a coach would talk to him. Sure. This is exactly what a coach would be saying. You're not performing well. Here's why. And as a player, you don't like that. You don't you don't ever want to hear that you're not performing well. But guess what? You know that you're not performing well. It's not it's not news. That, that it's is just the, that nobody you don't want anyone else to know that, is that you're so not performing 100% well. That's 100% right. Yeah. The player knows. You definitely know if you're stinking it <laughs> yeah. up. It's not it's not a knows. secret. But you don't want everyone else to be aware of how poorly it's going. And I think that's where they players get in their feelings or get upset when a commentator speaks on how how poorly it's going at the time. Danny, before we let you go, this is the essence of Tim McCarver, maybe the highlight call of his career. Game 7, 2001 World Series, Arizona and the Yankees. Luis Gonzalez at the plate against Mariano Rivera. The chance of a lifetime for Luis Gonzalez. 2-2, bottom of the ninth. Game 7 of the World Series. Bases loaded. And, and I got the wrong clip there because Tim had predicted. He said, so, go ahead. Well, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you. No, I'm go ahead. Say, yeah, hell, it's your show. <laughs> no, because you said it. You, well, we, I, we all watched it. Well, we, we I talked to him about this specifically, and I now, if I see a right-hander with a really good cutter facing a lefty, I immediately think of this. And so what Tim did in – now think about this. Joe Torre is one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. He's the manager of the Yankees. And it's game seven. The entire world is watching this game. And Tim, paraphrasing, says, I don't know. You know, you've got a lefty at the plate. You've got the great cutter, Mariano Rivera. And what happens typically with a left-handed batter, because he was a left-handed batter, he said it'll get in on the hands of a lefty, and a lot of times they'll fight it off and fist it out to left field. Mm. I don't know if I'd be playing Derek Jeter in at this point. Well, what was it, two minutes later, all of a sudden – little floater over Derek Jeter and they win the World Series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I mean that's taking a chance too. Yeah. You yeah. know, because what if what if 
Gonzalez hits a bullet to Jeter. Right. And the play works out for the Yankees. You sit there and go, well, Tim doesn't, you know, what, what, that's the right move. You play the infield in a few steps. That's what you do. I mean, the game's on the line. You have to do that. No. The game was on the line. He took a chance and he said, you, you, you could hit that little floater, yeah. and he, he certainly did. And that's something that, if you're in the stands, and how cool was it, must it have been to be in the stands for that, to watch a walk-off in the World Series. But if you're in the stands and you don't hear that, it's just something that, that we don't think about, right? It's because we were we had Tim McCarver on the TV, we, we thought about it. I started then paying attention after we... It was another dinner. We were we had countless dinners. The, the time away from the microphone was the best with Tim, but we talked about that play, and now anytime if I was watching a game, I would say, man, they're playing that left fielder too sh- mm. or not shallow <laughs> enough. Yeah. You know, even with Nolan Gorman up or somebody like that, because you never know. You know, they just kind of little dinkers out there, and he was yep. right. Yep. 100%. Man, it's good to see you. Good to see you guys, too. It is. It's so, awesome. And, uh, and thank you. Our Thanks response on in. the text line has been overwhelming, and we, we thank everybody that texted in and is just uh, it, Very is appreciative. glad to, to hear Dan. And, and I've told you over the course of the last couple months, you are beloved in this community, and uh, you'll be back here. You'll be in that chair, and uh, so we'll, we'll see you again, and we can't wait to do so. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you, too. That's uh, our buddy Danny Mack on 101 ESPN reminiscing about the the great Tim McCarver. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Time for a quick rock and roll as we head down the stretch on this edition this week of the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. Randy, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we've talked before. Oh, man, that's a, it, but if you're going to beat a horse, why not a dead one? Dead one. Yeah, exactly. Eh, I'm not a Philly it fan. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Gotcha. Oh, Rock, I Got see him. what you did there. Got him. Yeah. Got him. Punched a horse. Well, uh, well done. They punched a police horse. Like they're, I mean, I'm sorry. You should it's go straight Phil- to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect It's Philadelphia dollars. fans and then former NFL NFLer Alex Karras playing Mongo in Blazing Saddles. Those are the only two people who have punched a horse before. All right? It's crazy. But anyhow, don't want to be a dead horse. But anyway. The craziness that of what happened with Nolan Arenado's contract decisions this offseason got another kind of spotlight on it just a few minutes ago when Manny Machado talking to San Diego media says that he's going to opt out to test the market. He says there's a lot of money out there. It's drastically changed. And as a player to opt out, it's a pretty good thing to see that the market has changed. So again, not surprised by Machado, but again, his comments reminded me just how insane it is that even just to sign even just to re-sign with the Cardinals and add six or seven million onto his his salary Nolan Arenado didn't opt out and reset and now he's locked in and as John Mosaic told us that's that was the first thing he said when when I said what changed your mind about coming back he said Nolan Arenado not opting out well I mean if you're going to come back to have you know one of the best players in the league saying I'll be back and I won't opt out to do it that, that might lead yeah. me to, to stick around for a few more years, knowing also what's on the horizon, what's you know scheduled to be here in the next year or two, the, the, the players, the guys that are going to be a part of this organization. I would stick around too, Randy. Yeah. I, I think there's a championship. I, I, I just feel that way. Young, old, you got a good group of guys, and, and you got some talent. 
Those are generally championship ball clubs. I wonder if Machado does wind up with an AAV beyond $30 million a year. I think, yeah. At, beyond the age of 30? I think he's going to How wish, old is he, 32? I wish. I, I go back to that faithful day, Randy, when my mother 30. made me decide. 31 this year. Whether or not to play AAU ba- basketball or continue to play baseball. I, I go back to that day often in my mind, Randy, and I, being the young Michael Jordan fan that I was, chose the basketball court, cho- chose the hardwood over sitting behind the plate for nine innings. Sorry, Kerry. I know. it's a It was a terrible decision then. Uh, and Still the, ringing true right now. As arbitration cases start getting wrapped up, you thought, you thought maybe 750 grand for Helsley was a lot, or 850 grand for Helsley was a lot, or 600 grand for Corbin Burns was a lot. The difference in the Cardinals arbitration case today with Hennessy's Cabrera, he's asking for 1.15. They're offering 950,000. It's a $200,000 disagreement it's principle. with, and, with and, the Cardinals. Like I said, it's a principle. And $200,000 is, is, a, is a big number because he's, if he doesn't get it, and they talk bad about them. I'm just saying, when you got to talk bad about somebody to not give them as much money, mm-hmm. I don't think that sits well with the player. I just, no, it doesn't. And the fact that the Cardinals, again, are having a $200,000 dispute with the NSS Carrera, honestly, it puts a bigger spotlight again on the fact that six hundred grand for the trust and loyalty of Corbin Burns is a bargain. That the Brewers decided yeah. to just leave out there. I don't. I don't understand. Again, look at Helsley. Helsley's difference in the Cardinals is uh, is two hundred grand more than Corbin Burns is in the Brewers. Get smart, baseball. Come on now. That's when does Jordan got. Hicks do for arbitration? What is he? When is he, he a free agent? Uh, He's a free agent yeah, next year. He, he just agreed to trip. Yeah, free yeah. agent next year. Yeah, come on. So, he, he, so many injuries. He, it didn't make sense for him to go to arbitration. Yeah, that wouldn't. Might, that wouldn't have been a very might be looking bad for um, a closer here. In the near future, yeah. These guys don't. Uh, his name is Tink Hentz. Hey, oh, there you Tink. go. He's Come on, on the up, way. Tink. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Pleasure. CD. This is fun. I have a great weekend. Oh, listen, Randy. It's Friday. I'm going to go lay down. I love that. Take a nap. <laughs> hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. T Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party, and for all of us, until Monday morning at seven. We'll be working on President's Day. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.